Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, February 16th, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. A much more jovial episode of the MMA Hour coming up this week. You know, last week was an important show, but it felt a little somber. It was a little depressing. A lot of PED talk. It was the stuff we don't like to talk about. The gross fungus under the sport that we love so much. Today, I think we'll be in a much better mood. And you know what? I'm in a great mood today because exactly one year ago today, almost exactly at around this time, my second baby boy, Walter Makhawani, was born. So I want to wish him a happy birthday. He's not watching the show right now, but maybe one day he'll go back and watch these crazy shows that I do every Monday. And he'll find out that I love him very much, that he made my life a thousand times better and happier, and I wish him a very long, happy, and healthy life. Happy birthday, Walter. This show is dedicated to you, my friend. I love you so much, my son. All right, so kind of weird to call your son my friend, right? He's more than my friend. He's my angel. I love him. Had a great birthday party yesterday, and uh, now I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about life, and I'm feeling good about our sport because something happened on Saturday night, my friends, that I don't want to make into this bigger deal for someone that doesn't quite get it. But let me tell you, one of my favorite moments ever, ever, not just MMA, sports, and I think it had to do with a lot of things going on at the same time, but today we are going to honor that moment. And we're going to talk about a lot of fun things because after we did this show last week, as you know by now, some more bad news, Hector Lombard testing positive. We'll find out more about that this week. This is going to be another weird week because we have the commission hearing. We have the UFC press conference on Wednesday about PDs. So more fungus will come up, but there's also a lot of good things to discuss. So what is happening on today's show? At around 345, we're going to take your questions and comments. As always, hashtag the MMA hour. Leave a question or comment in the comment section below. At 320, we're going inside the vault, another topical one. So look out for that, 320. 305, we're going to talk to the UFC welterweight champion, Robbie Lawler, he has some interesting news, business news, but good stuff, interesting stuff. We'll talk to him at 3.05. How about this? Robbie Lawler, third time in the span of like, what, two months coming on this show? Never been on the show before. All of a sudden, friend of the show. 2.45, we're going to talk to Chris Cyborg Justino, who, of course, in less than two weeks, faces Charmaine Tweet Invicta FC featherweight title fight. Night before, Ronda Rousey fights in Los Angeles. Same city, same weekend. I love it. Chris Cyborg joins us. 245. 225. This is very exciting. 225, one of the great pieces of news that came out last week. Uriah Faber versus Frankie Edgar happening May 16th in Manila, in the Philippines. The thrill of Manila 2, East Coast versus West Coast. 
Tupac versus Biggie, a fight that has been talked about for years. It's finally going down at 145 pounds, five-round main event, Fox Sports 1. Frankie Edgar and Uriah Faber will be joining us at the very same time on this show at 225. I cannot wait for that. And this is going to be, this is not going to be like back and forth trash talking. This is not what this is all about. This is a great fight that deserves a lot of our attention. Uh, 205, we'll talk to Josh Barnett. I reported last week he is back, ready to resume his UFC career. So looking forward to talking to the war master himself. 145, old friend of the show, Matt Mitrione, will stop by to talk about what's next for him. And at 125, surging lightweight ally Quinta stops by. We didn't get Masvidal last week. We got Iaquinta this week. So that's going down at 125. But first, let us go to the phone lines. And I am so excited to be joined by this uh, guest right off the top. Because even when I was talking to New York Rick before the show, I actually started to get a little emotional. I started to choke up a little bit, talking about what he did on Saturday night. Very special to me. I think very special to a lot of fans. So first, I want to welcome him in, and I want to congratulate him on what he accomplished on Saturday. Of course, I'm talking about Benson Henderson, who defeated Brandon Thatch Saturday night in a fight a lot of people were not favoring him in. He went out there, and he proved that you can't underestimate the heart of a champion. Benson, how are you, and congratulations. Hey, what's up, Eric? Doing pretty well, man. How you doing? Thank you very much for the congratulations, man. Appreciate it. So, Benson, I'm going to go out on left field here. And uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of break the rules, and I'm going to thank you, because on Saturday night, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm falling asleep. It was kind of a lifeless event. There was, there was a lot of bad MMA, to be honest, and there's a lot of bad news going on. There's PD, all this stuff. You know about it. It's just a lot of negativity. And that fight didn't just remind me why I love MMA and, and why I love this sport. It reminded me why we love just the human spirit, why, why man can be so interesting and inspiring. What you did... Everyone, it felt like everyone was counting you out to the point where they were almost feeling bad for you after that weigh-in picture on Friday. And for you to come back the way you did and submit Brandon Thatch, where it seemed like your back was against the wall, it just, it, it makes me emotional just, just talking about it. And that's why I really wanted to have you on the show. So I need to thank you. I need to thank you for reminding us why we love sports, why we are fans of high-level athletes like yourself, and why we were drawn to UFC in the beginning. It was all about David going up against Goliath, and that's what Saturday night felt to me. So I don't know if you've been receiving that kind of praise and that kind of feedback since Saturday, but I know for me and many others that I talked to on Twitter yesterday, that's what that fight represented. And I just wanted to thank you for what you did on Saturday. Oh, you are welcome, man. No problem. I, I have been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, you know, congratulations uh, of that sort, you know, uh, talking about, you know, what it is that first drew people to, you know, MMA to, to the UFC, what, what first drew people to sports and, and them just being a fan of, you know, the, the backstories and this guy and that guy and just going, just going back to, you know, what originally led people to the fall in love with sport and MMA. Uh, so, yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Being one of the guys, like I, I don't think I ever once in my life envisioned, uh, you know, when I was younger and stuff coming up before I was a fighter, did I envision myself as a, uh, that type of role, I, I, I never would do that. So it, it's cool hearing that because I, I never, you know, saw that for myself, uh, you know, while I was growing up and stuff. So I, it's it's cool hearing that. Have you ever received this kind of praise, adulation after one of your wins? You've had many big wins, but I don't think one has ever struck a chord with the audience like this one. Ha, has has it ever happened to you like this before? Uh, I would I would say yeah. You know, and every time you you know, on the big stage and you're the main event and you have a, you know, a pretty 
decent performance. Uh, you, you get a lot of stuff. Um, but I think, you know, what like what you see compared to what I see, obviously what I see is going to be the same thing. You know, like I have a lot, a lot of supporters, a lot of people who are, are proud of me, and congratulations. So I, I get that same stuff, you know. Thankfully, when you know what I lose or whether I win, uh, but after a big win or after you know my first fight in the UFC, I get all the same sort of stuff. Um, but like from your point of view, like you see it in other places, uh, uh, other people saying stuff, stuff about me and whatnot. Um, but I, I see the same stuff. I've always gotten a you know, pretty good um, reaction uh, after my fights, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. I've always appreciated the the reaction I get from from the fans and. Uh, you know, from my teammates and from my coaches and, and all that stuff, you know, uh, it, it means a lot to me, but it's, but it's always been, you know, the same um, as, as my last fights as, as for this fight. You know, I took a bit of a informal Twitter poll yesterday and it didn't feel like the same to me. It feels like people view you in a different light. You know, you were coming off a two fight losing streak and the last fight was somewhat controversial. The decision was, and, you know, even when you were a champion, you had those close calls that sometimes I felt like people didn't maybe appreciate the, the entire body of work or they didn't like when you said, you know, if, if my opponent slips on a banana peel, I'll take that win. But now the respect that it seems that you have generated from the MMA community seems to have grown immensely. Have you noticed that at all? I mean, just going on your Twitter, you, you haven't noticed a difference in the way people view you now? Because it seems like there's a big difference in my opinion. Uh, no, I... I, I... I can see, you know, like uh, perhaps the what, what the difference uh, in the reaction after all my fights. Um, this time, the the circumstances a larger point. Going up on two weeks notice, going up a weight class, like all, all that sort of stuff. You know, so the, the reaction I get uh, for this fight is definitely positive, definitely good. I, I definitely love it. But again, you know, like the reaction, the, the tweets I got from my previous fights, they were all the same thing. Congratulations, mm-hmm. you look awesome against Jim Miller. You know, you were amazing. You were going against a guy who was on a, the longest, you know, UFC win streak in the, in the lightweight class. You know, he was like 7-0, 8-0 at the time like that. And, and you beat him up. You did pretty good. You did awesome. You know, you made it look easy, blah, blah. Like, I, I got that reaction against Jim Miller. The same reaction I'm giving now against uh, Brandon Thatch. Like, awesome, you look great. You know, you went up a weight class and, you, you know, two weeks notice and elevation no less and, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, but, you know, after your fights, you, you generally receive, uh, you know, pretty good compliments and that sort of stuff. So I always, I always say kind of the same thing. Definitely having um, uh, maybe different type of people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Having a broader range of people. Like my fan base is my fan base. Uh, but maybe perhaps what you're, you might be referring to is the, the broader range of, of my of the fan base being a broader range this time, and then that, that could that could be true. I'm not, you know, I, I don't I don't have any studies or polls yeah. that, that I've done to, to to check it out. But was there ever a point last week, maybe at the weigh-ins, maybe before the fight, where you thought, well, I, I'm biting off a lot here. I mean, this this is a tall order here. This is a guy in his hometown, big guy. I mean, the size difference was unbelievable. Was there ever a point where you doubted yourself before the fight or doubted your decision to take this fight on such short notice? Um, no, I don't think I ever doubted myself, to be honest. I don't, I don't think I ever doubted myself or doubted, uh, you know, I bit off more than I could chew, so to speak. Uh, like all, all of a sudden, we're, we're all pretty confident. We all have that, you know, nagging suspicion in the back of the head. Oh, man, I hope, uh, I hope I do well. I hope I perform well. I hope I get my hand raised. But that's the same sort of, you know, small 
little little stuff in the back of your head that you try to forget as much as possible. You try to forget that uh, for all your fights. So, you know, I had that for the first Frankie Edgar fight I had against Mark Bocek. You know, first time in the UFC, in front of 55,000 people. They go, oh, they go, no. I hope I don't embarrass myself. I hope I know what I'm doing. But, you you, you know, you as a competitor, you learn to banish those ideas and uh, focus on the positive and, and mentally you have to learn how to, you know, go about preparing yourself and, and banishing those, those negative thoughts, uh, that sort of stuff. So I, I think I, I do a pretty decent job of that in all my past fights and in this fight as well. Like I, I had to do that. Um, going against fast, one-up weight class, doing this, doing that, blah, blah. Of course, you have those little small uh, nagging ideas, but for the most part, I was uh, very positive uh, going in and I knew that. Uh, I thought that I was going to do very well. What was going through your mind in the first two rounds? The first round was somewhat close. It seemed, though, that the pace was, you know, it was very intense. He was aggressive. He was coming at you. And those shots, I mean, he was landing some pretty big shots. Then things started to turn around in the third and, of course, in the fourth. You finished him. But early on, when you're fighting a guy with that size difference and is that much bigger than you, you've never dealt with that as a lightweight. What was going through your mind? Were you expecting all of that or was that somewhat of a surprise to you? Um, I would say probably the, the biggest thing was I think it was, I think it was the second no maybe the first round no I think it was the second round I, I think I lost the second round um, but he hit me once with like a jab to my body his coaches did great I actually heard him they were yelling at him to to hit me to my body because I was you know moving around trying to be elusive and stuff you know he couldn't really land any good shots to my head so he said jab the body jab the body I'll go to the body he hit me with a jab to like to my body. It was the first, I think, maybe cleaner shot he hit me with all fight. Um, maybe the only shot he hit me with all fight. Uh, but he, like, jabbed my body. It was like a jab of his. And, like, he sent me flying backwards. Like, I, I was like a good out two, three feet is how it felt to me in my head. I have something to see the fight. So, so I'm interested in seeing how it looks, you know? Yeah. But he jabbed me to my body and sent me flying backwards. Like, oh, this boy's big and strong. <laughs> and then hit me more. Did you get the sense, though, as the fight went on? I mean, this is a guy who only went past the first round once in his career, and that was in his second pro fight. Did you get the sense that he was tiring and gassing out? It looked that way, that he was huffing and puffing as the fight progressed. Oh, you can definitely tell. Uh, in almost every fight, you can tell the guys as the rounds go by, and, you know, they start breathing a little bit heavier, and start taking deeper breaths and that sort of stuff. Uh, but you can definitely see it. Uh, and, but, and, then, and then especially for all my opponents, I try to make sure that they breathe as heavy as possible and that, and that they I'm wearing them out and I'm getting them tired now and I'm, you know, taking them to those deep waters. And so I, that was the game plan. That's all I was trying to do. And I, I could see the effects for sure. Um, after the first round going to the, going into the, the break after the second round going to break, even after the third round going to break, I could see him getting, you know, taking deeper breaths, deeper breaths. Ooh, and then how you look going and coming back, you know, and there's the guy, um, you know, uh, when the referee wants to say, you know, get started at the end to start the round, the next round, you can see them, uh, how much t- more tired they are and that sort of stuff. I, I did notice he was uh, a little bit more, um, you know, wore down and taking deeper breaths and that sort of stuff. I know you just said that you haven't watched the fight yet on TV, but you recall a turning point in your mind, a point where you thought, all right, I got this guy. On, on, on television, it looked like come the third round, things started to turn in your favor, and all of a sudden people were thinking, holy moly, Benson might actually pull this off. But in your mind, you recall a moment? Uh, for me, it was... I, I, someone else asked me that. I think my coach asked me something like that. I think what it was is when he started to respect my hands a little bit more, uh, like the the shots I was landing, like early on, there wasn't much pop to him, and he 
I'm smaller, so <laughs> he was a good 25 pounds heavier than me. So, like, my jab is going to be different than his jab. And so when I would jab him, it was just like, oh, no big deal. Like, it's okay. Um, and in the course of the fight, as he got more tired, my jab did third round. Uh, then his jabs were, like, his jab is first four. When he had to respect my hands a little bit more, because mm-hmm. when he, like, I, I felt like that opened up the takedown. Uh, and then because of that, then I was able to take him down and do all that sort of stuff. So for me, it was when uh, I had to, uh, so I fainted him a couple times and, you know, tried, tried to get him to move. And because he respected my hands more, uh, he he bit on, the, on those feints. He bit on the fake. Then I was able to, uh, you know, take him down from there. Again, not to overstate things, but that takedown in the fourth round when you changed levels and got him clean, that was one of my favorite. I mean, that takedown was just so, that. That looked like a momentum changer. That looked like you took the air out of his body. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? I do. I do. Yeah. Beautiful. And that was again. It was the same thing. I uh, I think I landed a body shot. Yeah. Or a hook upstairs and a hook to the body right right before then. And I was dancing around trying to get him to to believe that I was gonna you know throw hands at him, stay in the pocket, and and throw some more hands and that sort of stuff. And he was about to you know. Uh, those with my hands, I was like, nope, I'm stuck underneath, and I'm going to shoot now because I don't want to get hit by you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was able to uh, get that takedown. It was a good, clean, clean takedown because I think he was uh, going to try and hit me very hard, and I didn't want him to do, so I took him down instead. So after the win, after you choked him out, again, you, you looked at someone and you were saying a couple things. Were you looking at the media there? Uh, no, no, no. I, I wasn't looking at the media. I, I think I did look at them once. The media row you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did look at them once, and, and they, they, they had like critical looks like on their faces, like <laughs> are you yelling at us. Are you talking to us? Yeah, yeah. I, I said earlier, I'm not, really, I'm not really yelling at the media. It's just more uh, who's ever there. And it happened to be my, uh, one of my training partners, Yachting Meza, Yachty. Yeah. Who was his uh, three sons, uh, Gio, Gio Meza, Adrian Meza, and little Nikki uh, Meza. The three boys were able to. Uh, have him sit front row with, with my wife, and I don't. None of my I don't have kids, um, so I, none of my you know I don't have kids, so my kids don't get to see that. But it's so so amazing, so awesome to to have kids and to have them experience and see you like in all your glory or yeah. whatever you know. But see you doing what you do on, on the big stage. Um, so I, I love uh, I love having the like Efrain Escudero, his daughter Amaya. We have another uh, training partner, Brian Barbarina, his two boys, uh, Derek and Chael, and then he has a daughter named Tevia. I love, I love Vegan and Chael. I, I love seeing all of them uh, and being able to, you know, like just experience that whole, like, father thing, yeah. uncle thing or whatever. Uh, so I was yelling at the, the three boys who were sitting in a row. Um, it's all about hard work. I was yelling to them hard work. I was expressing to them that, hey, this is hard work. This, this is what your daddy does. This is hard work right here. Like, uh. you bust your butt. You work hard. This is what you get. Uh, so that's what I was yelling uh, at that point in time. It was uh, to them. Okay, okay. Um, so I got to ask you about this. You know I was going to ask you about it. In the middle of the fight, it's, it's very clear that there's a toothpick in your mouth. What is going on here? How did you get away with this again? Uh, I, I, I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> it's clear I, as day. I, 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 will, I, I will say, though, I'm pretty sure there aren't any regulations. There are not any rules, especially forbidding saying it is against the rules to have a, a toothpick in your mouth. So It's not a foreign object? Out there. I, don't, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's illegal. I don't think it's against the rules. But isn't it dangerous for you? I mean, you might swallow that thing. It's uncomfortable seeing you fight with that. Do you get that? Do you understand it, why people feel that as, way? It's as dangerous 
for me to have a tooth taken out of my mouth as it is for me to go against a 200-pound <laughs> man who's going to punch my face hard or try and kick me in my face. I think I'm, I'm more worried about that, to be honest. I'm more worried about the 200-pound man who's going to beat the crap out of me if I, if I let him. Do you need the toothpick? Like, do you feel like if you don't have it, you can't perform at your best? No, I, I don't have any superstitions. But I, I won, you know, world title uh, with a toothpick. I, I defended it without a toothpick. Uh, uh, it's just, it all depends. You know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's a bad habit. It, it is a bad habit. I know I shouldn't do it, but, you know, it's fine. I do, I, I do it every day in practice. And, you know, I've done it most of my, all my fights. So, you know, it is what it is. Have you, have you ever swallowed it? I have once. Oh man! <laughs> what? One time, I was uh, I went home early. I was surprising my mom, and I uh, snuck home. I flew home, and I surprised her. Uh, and as she was coming up the stairs, I you know I went boo, and I scared her. And then she was like you know like afraid. She's like oh, I got scared. And I started laughing, and, and then when I was started laughing, I swallowed the toothpick, and then she. She really got scared there. Like, she, she, you know, she was, like, surprised, startled. And so I, you know, I laughed. And then when I started choking, like, she got, oh. like, seriously scared. And that made me laugh even more, even though I was falling the toothpick. So I have one time. It, it, was, uh, it was bad, but I lived. I was able to tell the story. Did you ever hurt yourself while having, like, in, in your mouth while grappling or something? Did you ever hurt yourself or your opponent? No. The one time it only ever affected me while training. Was uh, I, I've been doing it since I was in high school. Well, the one time it ever happened uh, where it affected me was I was training with my coach, John Crouch. Yeah. And uh, I think this is like the, I don't know, second or third time I ever trained with him. But I, I, I trained him. I've been training at his gym for a while, but actually rolling around with my coach like seven, six, seven years ago, this was. Uh, he had me in a rear naked, or uh, he had my back, had both hooks in, and he was going for the rear naked choke. And uh, I ducked my chin and turned just enough to uh, not give up the, ch- the choke to, to the neck. But he had my tooth right in my cheek. Oh. And uh, I, I ended up tapping after, like, you know, 40 seconds, 30 seconds, something like that. But I ended up tapping. And he was like, oh, was that um, the choke wasn't there. But did you feel the, the neck crank? I was going for the neck crank instead of the, the choke. I was like, no, I didn't really, I didn't really feel the, the, the choke or the neck crank too much. And I popped my toothpick. My toothpick was all bloody. I was like, well, my, my toothpick was uh, stabbed me in my cheek. <laughs> uh, and he had a pretty good laugh. Oh, I you love telling my story now to this day. Gosh. Um, where do you put it, by the way? Like, where exactly in your mouth do you put it? Because I can never actually pull that off. I've tried since seeing you do it. How do you put it in there to where it looks like it doesn't actually, it's not there? How, how, does it, how do you do that? I, I just tuck it away, whether it's uh, on the side, of the tongue, in the cheek, like just wherever. Jeez, that's unbelievable. And then, and then you, 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 you put it out there to almost rub it in our faces, but you'll never actually confirm that you're doing it. You, you, you do realize that you put it out there in the middle of the fight, right? I, I, I consciously play around with it. Sure. Uh, while I'm training, while I'm fighting, I don't mean. Yeah, I, I, I have noticed a few pictures. Yes. Um, I, I play around with it a little bit too much during the fight. Uh, Benson, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry, we lost you for a second. Uh, let me ask you a couple questions, and then I'll let you go. Um, you said afterwards, you know, Rory McDonald sounds like a great idea. Uh, Dana White said after that that you know he has another fight. What do you think at this point? You had a great 
UFC debut at welterweight, are you going to stick around at 170 or go back to 155? What are you thinking? Uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking just, you know, still playing around with the idea, uh, see where it takes me, you know. Um, still got to talk to my wife about it some more. Still got to talk to my to John Crouch about it some more. Um, but I, I knew that, you know, Roy McDonald did, or I thought at the time Roy McDonald didn't have a fight and he needed somebody. So I always really kind of called Roy McDonald out. I, I talked to Frost Mojave. He was there after the game. Frost, you know, I was trying to call Roy out. I was saying, you know, if he needs an opponent, I will be. I will be. I would be willing to step up. That's that's the sort of guy I am. You know, uh, take on any any sort of challenge. I want to challenge myself. That sort of stuff. But I wouldn't like. You know, I want to fight him. I think he's ugly. No, it's more <laughs> me saying, oh yeah, he needs an opponent. I'll be. I would. I'd be willing to step up. Uh, it would be a big opportunity for me. A good opportunity for him facing a world, uh, former you know champion. That sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's more of me about. Uh, just trying to offer my services if he still needed it. If they have somebody, no big deal. They, they have somebody. No cool. But right now, you don't know if your next fight will be at 170 or 155. I don't know. No. How? I do know it feels good to, after the fight, like this has been a day so far, you know, two days or whatever it was. I am not eating everything in sight. So yeah. I'm not all like fat and bloated and feeling d- disgusting because I eat till I disgust myself, you know. Uh, it feels good. Um, to not do that, like after the fight, like I'm not like super hungry. And I don't want to eat everything, uh, so it, it does feel that. That's another bonus. I didn't, I didn't think about uh, making what weight for 170. Is that afterwards? I'm not. I'm not going to have a a big big time bloated feeling for a while. I can get right back in. I'll, I'm always right back in the gym, but I can get right back in the gym and uh, you know train harder without being a fat butt. Yeah, how how enjoyable was last week for you that you didn't have to cut weight? Did you did you sense that? Did that strike you like on Friday? Wow, this is a lot more fun than when I'm making one fifty five. It was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. Literally, the whole entire week was amazing. I was able to do the open media workout. Normally, I, I try and do a good job. I'm, I'm very conscious of you know doing my best effort, trying to give a good uh, open media workout, that sort of stuff. You know, uh, but doing the open media workout, I was had calories. You know, it's, it's a huge difference. Uh, when you have some calories inside you, uh, doing the work, doing the workout, doing the interviews, all, all that sort of stuff, like everything not bleak and grim, and you don't hate the world. Stupid UFC, and <laughs> well, they want me to do this, and I'm tired, I'm sore, and they want me to go here, and I gotta do this, and oh, like now, like oh yeah, sure, no problem, okay, let's do it. What, what else do you need? Anything else? You need this? You need that? <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, so it's, it's a huge difference. The entire week, um, not having to you know, starve yourself to get down the weight. And then after you starve yourself, then lose another, you know, 10 pounds of water weight on top of that. So it, it felt great that, that whole week. Did the hair bother you more in this fight? It seemed like you were fixing it a lot. No. no I, fine. I, I don't think so. You don't that think it'll ever be a problem? I, no, not really. I, I think the biggest problem, uh, talking to my coach uh, and to my wife about it, they said uh, it, it influences the judges. That's what they think uh-huh. uh, influences, um, like, how much, if I get hit, my hair moves back a lot. Like, the, the shot didn't land. Like, I don't have any black eyes. I don't have any uh, bloody nose or fat lip or anything, you know. Um, but because of the hair, it looks more dramatic. And so, like, they, they might score the strike as, as a landing big-time shot as opposed to what it was, which was a, a grazing shot that didn't really land too cleanly or anything like that. Um, so uh, that is something that we have to, you know, take into account, take into factor, and measure the pros and cons of all that sort of stuff. 
Okay, last question for you. You know, I talked at the beginning what the fight meant for me, and I think I speak for a lot of people. And I think you're being very humble, by the way, saying it's kind of like the Jim Miller. It, 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 it comes at a very much needed time in our sport, I think, for many fans. But for you, you know, after what happened against Dos Anjos, after what happened against Cerrone, does this one mean a little more for your confidence, for the way you view the sport, the way you view your career, you know, to go in there and sort of defy the odds? I know you weren't the biggest underdog of all time, but, you know, it, it just seemed like there was a big hill for you to climb and you did so when a lot of people were counting you out. For you, have you been rejuvenated, reinvigorated? What does this mean when for you other than just another W? I, I wish I could, you know, give you the answer you want to know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could really could, or I wish I could even lie to you and say, yeah, man, it's awesome. It does this. But I, I can't lie to you, Ariel. Um, it, it, it is just another win. You know, like, of course, the way the the final fight ended, you know, with the referee stepping in when he did, it is what it is. So it's a, it's a loss. You got to chalk it up to that. With the judges deciding to, to score the fight in uh, favor of uh, Cerrone, it is what it is. You got to take it as a loss, but... Yeah, for sure. The, the way those ended um, left a very sour taste in my mouth. Uh, and then getting this W, it's awesome. It's nice because you're two losses in a row, which I don't think that's ever happened to me before. I don't mm. know. Um, but, yeah, it's always, it is good to win. But, man, it, it's, it's just another W. It really is. It, it's just another W. Wow. I'm thankful for it. I'm happy I'm happy about it. I, I, you know, it, that's every W. Every time you win, especially in the UFC, it, it's a huge deal. It's it's, it's huge. It's, it's gigantic. Um, so, man, I, I wish I could say it was more special. I wish I could say this or that. You know, it does give me more confidence, for sure, uh, about going to 170. Uh, I do. I am as confident as any you know fighter on the planet. Uh, but as far as going to 170, that is a that is a, a bigger deal, you know. Uh, and Brandon being a bigger 70 pounder, walking into the cage, you know, at 195, 197, or whatever it was, he walked into the cage at. Um, it, it, that does give me confidence for sure that I can uh, go in there, I can take the shots from the welterweights, and I'm, I'm not going to be broken if I take a a big, you know, straight right from somebody. Uh, I can I can take it just fine. So that that is uh, comforting to know that, you know. Well, again, thank you, Benson. Thank you for reminding us why we love sports, why why we're drawn to all this stuff. Thank you for, for at least inspiring me on Saturday. That was that was beautiful stuff. Congratulations on the win. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're probably tired of talking to me and the media at this point because you've had so many fights in a row here, but uh, really appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. All the best to you. Yeah, all the best, Eric. Thank you, everybody. All right, there he is, Benson Henderson. Humble as always, but tremendous stuff. Wow, what, what a performance on Saturday night. One, one that I will never forget, I can assure you of that. Uh, we'll talk about that more on the show, I'm pretty sure of it. But for now, let us move along and welcome in our next guest. Remember last week we wanted to have Jorge Masvidal on, but he had a cell phone issue and uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't lock him down. First time in a while that a guest has eluded us. So I thought, you know what, this week, let's go for his opponent. And I'm told his opponent on April 4th is joining us right now via the Magic Skype. There he is, Long Island Zone. Yeah. Raging Ally Aquinta, huge fan of the MMA Hour, by the way. Al, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Great to have you on the show, and I'm happy you showed up. Your opponent last week, I know you were tuning in. He was nowhere yeah, to be yeah. found. What'd you make of that? I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe he had something to do. Maybe he was training. I hope maybe he was training. That would have been a good idea, you know? How's life after beating Joe Lozon? Uh, it's the same as before life beating Joe Lozon, pretty much. Really? That's uh, nothing? Uh, Nothing's changed? 
No, that's good, man. I'm just back in. The, I got right back in the gym. I got to fight the next day. Right. So you know, I was still still at the after party pretty much when I figured out I was gonna fight again. So I got came right back home and started training. It was good. Okay, so let's talk about that Saturday night UFC 183. What was oh, your yeah. reaction when you realized you weren't getting that fifty thousand dollar bonus? Uh, I was just sitting there and I was like, "Wow, man! I thought I was, I was." We were all joking, TJ and Dillashaw and all the all the alpha male guys were in the back and they were they were busting my balls. Oh, you, you what are you gonna do with the money? What are you gonna do with the money? I was like, "Don't say anything yet," because I didn't win it. And, and they were like, "Oh, you definitely got it. What are you doing? What are you doing?" So they kind of like amped me up. And then when I didn't get it, I was like, shit, man. But it is what it is, you know. I'll do it again. I'm going to just keep doing it. Eventually, we'll get it. I saw this video blog that you put out uh, with your friend about you going to the uh, the Naga tournament in Philadelphia. And you said that you were sitting there and you weren't even getting any questions. Like, you had just defeated. Love, man. Where's the love? Why do you feel like people are yeah. overlooking you? Where's the love? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, man. You appreciate me. You you appreciate me, right, Ariel? I do. I appreciate everything about you. But why do you feel like people are overlooking you, including your employers? I don't know, man. But are you jaded right now? Uh, are you upset? Am I upset? Yeah. No, not really. I just knocked out Joel Azone. How can I be upset? It's nice to get recognized sometimes, though. No. This is true. This is true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the people that really really matter to me they uh you know my teammates and uh my family they realize how much work i put in and you know hearing congratulations from them means more than anything you know you did have a nice performance though at the uh the press conference i felt like it was a coming out party you were talking about mexico and the senoritas i mean it really yeah. felt like you were more comfortable than usual I was hammered, bro. <laughs> was that big cup? Was there something in there that wasn't, you know, your typical water post-fight drink? Yeah. What was in yeah, there? Yeah, we had a little, we had a little vodka soda in there. Oh yeah, that was a big cup. That was a big gulp. Well, that was, yeah, that was. There was twenty-five minute fight that that Nick Diaz fight. Yeah. So that you know was a little time to kill. <laughs> I had to. The bar closed. They closed the bar. Okay. So I don't know how freaking Conor McGregor gets like a $75 million glass of freaking whatever the hell he gets. <laughs> I had to sneak in the back and steal some vodka. Back where? I, where did you go? I don't know. There was like a room in the back. It was, it was like a bar. Okay. The, all the way in the back. Yeah. And then I guess it was closed because there was no one in there. So you broke and in? I had to. I, I, I snuck in there. I greased the uh, the guy, the bartender. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, come on, man, one more. And then so he made me a bunch of them. Okay. And I don't know. He must have thought I was like freaking Anderson Silva or something because he put them on a plate and then he carried them. He was carrying them. And I, I had like a, I felt like I had a butler. It was pretty cool, man. How much did you pay him? I was just drinking one, drinking two. I gave him like 20 bucks, I think. That's Maybe it? Maybe more. For all that? I don't know. He said he said it was uh no I said I said do I gotta pay for these what's the deal he goes no no it's all good uh, so I tipped it was like a tip more of a tip than anything sure you know? sure that's better than a fifty G's bonus in my opinion yeah it was pretty you know what see things are all right I went on my Twitter after the uh, the press conference and you sent me a couple of tweets do you remember that oh man yeah that wasn't good that what, was bad what happened there what happened there tell us what happened I think I I mistaked my my Snapchat for my Instagram. <laughs> and 
that's that was must have happened. And then the videos got on there. But what were you doing? Um, what's that? What were you doing in the videos? I was wrecking that hotel, man. You were pissed. No, I wasn't pissed. I you was were celebrating. Really happy. You were celebrating. Yeah, more celebrating. Yeah. Why wreck something when you're celebrating? What's the best time to wreck something? I guess. You know. I mean, I people. You know, I just won. Go crazy. You know. What'd you do? What'd you do to the room? Uh, refrigerator got thrown. There was like a cart got tipped over. All these things were accidents, Ariel. What about the TV? No, the TV was fine. Oh, it was fine. Okay, I thought I saw. Yeah, the TV was fine. And did you get in trouble yeah. for this? Uh, it's kind of like a game. You you find out, you'll see, and they send you a bill or they don't send you a bill. <laughs> and they didn't. You know? Did they not? Not yet. Not so yet. You usually, like, uh, you give it a month or two. Wait a second. You've done this before. Ah, uh, no, never. So how do you know? Never. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're crossing your fingers. What's that? I'm keep, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it, they don't send me a bill. Are you worried? No, not really. Okay. What else did you do that night to celebrate? No, I got. I was put on. I was put on house arrest. Oh, by who? I was. They told me I wasn't allowed to leave. Who's they? Um, my coaches. <laughs> they found out about the tweets. Oh yeah, they yeah they they made sure that that they nixed that right away. <laughs> that, that's said, get, the... it, get it off. That, I said, shit, man, I didn't even know I posted that. My bad. You sent it to me. You know you tagged me in the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's a problem. Whatever, man. You're going crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, who's with this you in those, in those videos? Your buddies? Who was with me? Yeah. Uh, one of my teammates and uh, this girl from Vegas. Okay. And, um, yeah. you know, the UFC, they're, they're famous for giving guys, you know, these bonuses. Did they at least make it up to you for not, you know, getting the, the, the fight night bonus? Uh, usually they'll send something, uh, you know, like a month after. Okay, so, so time hasn't yeah. passed. You still, you're still that waiting. That should come. Hopefully, that'll come right as the time when they send me the bill for the hotel room. Perfect. And then we could just kind of like call it even. So then, know? as you mentioned, you get this fight on Monday night. That's when it was announced. So you win on Saturday. You get the fight on Monday, and yeah. this is a fascinating thing for me because the UFC on Espanol Twitter announces the fight. Mi amigos, you know? They say, at Gamebred Fighter, which is Jorge Masvidal, is going to fight Alejandro de UFC. Not at Ala Quinta. So I, I, I click on this Alejandro Twitter feed, and I realize it's a Ala Quinta account in Spanish. Not many <laughs> followers, by the way, but I could tell some pretty funny stuff. I have a, a very, uh, I guess, elementary understanding of, of Spanish. This is, in fact, your Spanish Twitter feed, right? That's it, man. It's my Spanish. It's my it's my my people. My my hombres in Mexico. They gotta know when about you, Alejandro. When did you start this? Uh, the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, a couple months ago, probably. And why why Spanish? Why why are you trying to cater? You don't have any any Spanish blood in you, right? No, nah, no Spanish blood. But I'm gonna take you back to a a long 2007. I think it was. I was an amateur. Okay, take me back. I went to. I was fighting in like the regional amateur promotions in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, a guy Ed Sue. He was one of the promoters. He was like the the promoter at the time in New Jersey for the amateurs. So he was. Uh, I don't know how they found this fight in Mexico in Monterey, Monterey, Mexico. Okay. So he was like, "You want to go?" I was like, uh, "Maybe, 
17? I don't even know. It's 18 years old, let's say. Okay. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Went, hopped on a plane, went down to uh, Monterey, Mexico, got first-round knockout. Everybody in the place, Alejandro, Alejandro. It was crazy, man. They loved me. <laughs> okay. They were giving me corona. They were sending me coronas on tap. Coronas on tap. Wow. Crazy. Okay. All in Mexico. So, uh, you know, I had a good time. And uh, now they're going back to Mexico. And I think it's, uh, you know, the fans want me back. They, they need Alejandro back back in Mexico. So your your plan is to get this fight, you know, over and done with, win this fight, and then fight on that June card in Mexico. Uh, I don't know about fighting June in Mexico. I, I mean, that'd be cool. Hopefully everything works out good. That'd be nice. Or they have they have two shows in Mexico. Or just get a vacation out of it. Who knows? Go down to uh, watch the fight. Oh, a guest fighter. A little, do a little guest fighter thing. That'd yeah. be cool, you know? So how is your Spanish? I know you have a tutor. I mean, can you tell us a few things? Can you Can you say a few things in Spanish? No, I can't say anything in Spanish. Not yet, man. That's that's BS. I saw a video of you <laughs> on a website where you're speaking all in Spanish. You're talking about your fans in Monterey, all that stuff. I saw a whole video about it. Yeah, yeah. So you're lying. What do you mean? I saw a video of you speaking in pretty Call good... Call me a liar, Ariel? <laughs> Why are you so shy with your Spanish? I'm not shy. It's, it's, it's going to come out, man. All right. It's going to come out. No see. That will take... Alejandro will make them all humble. Don't worry about it. I saw uh, also via that, that uh, Twitter feed that you asked Invicta star Alexa Grasso to be your Valentine. Did she ever reply? <laughs> Dude, she freaking stood me. She didn't even answer me. Oh what is this God. shit? Alejandro getting no love. <laughs> uh, you, you zeroed in on her and she wouldn't even reply to you. That's, that's kind of, I mean, that's heartbreaking. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is, man. I tried. Every uh, good, what are those guys? The guys that hold the, uh, the matadors. I'm a matador. I'm trying to be a matador, you know? Matador can't go without a valentine did down you get, in Mexico. I, did, did you get I one? Tried. Did you get one? What's that? Did you get one? Yeah, I had a, I had a, val- a valentine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my uh, Ray Longo is my valentine. <laughs> I was, we were holding, we were doing pad, pads at freaking 8 o'clock at night on valentines. Really? You weren't even watching the fights? Uh, I, I got home, I DVR'd them, and I watched the rest of them, yeah, and fell asleep during them. Why Saturday night uh, doing some, some pad work with Ray? I mean, he has a family, too. He has a wife. Why, why are you doing that on a Saturday night, Valentine's Day night? Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. That's what we do. We're in the gym, man. I don't know. Wow. When everyone else, when everyone else is relaxing, we're training. So no break. No break after the Lozon win. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it a break, but definitely different training for the you know two weeks. Got to kind of heal your body get your mind in a different place, and then, like, you know, four or five weeks before the fight, really start um, getting back uh, to the hard training, like fight camp training, I guess you call it. So you went to that uh, Naga tournament in Philly. Did you notice a difference in the way people received you? Like, did you feel like you were a big star now? You just won on the Anderson Silva Nick Diaz card against Joe Lozon. Uh, it was a very dominant, impressive win. Did you feel like, wow, things have changed for me here, at least the way people received me? Yeah, no, for sure. Everyone, uh, everyone saw the fight, and everyone was giving me, uh, you know, good, good compliments, and they were encouraging me, you know, for the for the future. So it was good. It's uh, that's kind of the reason I like going to those tournaments. Is everyone's really there for the same thing? Everyone's, uh, you know, just trying to get better. So it's it's cool. You meet some really cool people. How'd you do? 
Uh, I did all right. I did all right. I did. Uh, I did. Um, I did the nogi. I did all right in nogi, and uh, I went two and one. The one guy I lost to, I was winning, and he called me in a submission. Mm-hmm. I tapped kind of quick just because I don't want to. No, no, uh, no injuries or nothing. So sure. I could have been something I could have fought out of, but I, you know, I said no, tap quick. And uh, in the gi, I got freaking hammered, bro. <laughs> hammered. This guy I went against is pretty. He was pretty good. He's got. I don't do the gi. I never. I wore. Maybe I can count on on uh, two hands the, the amount of times I've worn the gi. Okay. But uh, so I, I just threw it on, hop in there. Have, it was fun, you know. But uh, it would have been more fun if I whooped him. But he he freaking sure. whooped me. But uh. You know, it was fun. It was good. Why why do the gi at all? Uh, well, you go, you drive all the way there, sure. and it's like all day thing. You got to pay a hundred bucks. Might as well do it, right? Right, right, right. That's a good point. And and it's yeah. not like it's not like you're you're crushed. Your 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 confidence is down or anything, right? No, yeah, no. I it was, you know, probably. Just a just a workout for me. Really, I was like not. I wasn't really. Obviously, you want to win, but I'm not. I wasn't like getting nervous before it. I was just there having a good time, hopping, getting some some working with some guys that, you know, I could have I could have stayed here and went to the gym here and 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 rolled with the guys at Sarah's. But you get you kind of get used to guys after a while, and it's good to mix it up. You know, switch it up. Go go and uh, go get, feel new bodies. You know, you gotta get guys that uh, you don't know how they move and. You gotta adjust real quick, so it's similar to uh, similar to a fight. You know, it's the closest thing you can do to to fighting. I think. Let me ask you about something Masvidal told MMAJunkie.com recently. Okay, he said, "quote sure. He's taking a couple steps up, and I'm taking a few steps back. The kid's talented and all, but I've got no business fighting this guy. You know, people are making a big deal because he beat Joe Lozon. Welcome to the club, man. I kicked that dude's ass eight years ago. He's not too happy about this matchup. What's your response to that?" Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be happy if I was him too. He was going to fight uh Ben Henderson, right? And I'm mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I'm stepping in for Ben Henderson. That's a freaking awesome, huh? Look at you. Right? It's good. Um What were we saying? Well, you know, it seems like he's he's kind of upset about this this fight. He feels like he's not, you know, getting someone that's on his level. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it works. He was he had a good fight and you know, Ben had he he got pulled to another fight. Um, I I don't know. I've knocked out three. I I beat the piss out of you know guys that I fought the whole time. So I think uh, I think I, I I don't think anybody. It, it, obviously, there's always going to be step ups. I I think I can fight anybody, and it's going to be a good fight. I think I can beat anybody. I really do. So uh, you know, I'm I don't have the big name that he's looking for. But I think I'm just as tough as a fight, you know. So it uh, it's probably not too. Uh, it's probably not a great fight for him. He's right. Yeah, we all right. You know, he's 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 on he's on the money. Do you feel like he's disrespecting you, looking past you? Or are you bothered by these comments? Uh, no, not really. I'm just doing me, man. He can <laughs> say what he wants. He can he can do what he wants. But I'm just gonna train hard and you know just go in there and do what I've been doing. That's it. Who do you think they'll favor more, the the Latino crowd? You know, because he is of Latino descent. You, who is really trying to cater to them and connect with them, or him? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> um, 
I'm not really thinking about that. Okay. I'm just having fun, man. You know. Well, you're really coming out of your shell. I must. I must say. I mean, it's a totally different guy here. Same guy, Ariel. We're just. We're just. I don't know. Maybe you're seeing it more. I don't know. I think you're. This is a different. This is you're. You're. You're allowing us to enter your world more. You're. You're showing us more of you. Same guy, scary, maybe. Man. Is it's that scary? Is, you guys are, are gonna freaking run. Are there more layers? Oh, I'm the. Cra- I don't even know, man. I. You know what? I can't even say. I can't tell you because people. I get. I don't even know. I get kicked <laughs> out of the UFC. I get kicked out of the UFC so quick. You why? No why? Idea. What do you do that we don't know about? I don't know. Nothing. I just go go off a little bit. I don't know. That's huh? what it is. Well, just remember, you got you got a good thing going here. Don't. don't that's what Ray up. said. That's what that's what Longo said to me. He said, "Stay on the straight and narrow. We're doing good." Yeah. Look at Chris Weidman, right? Guy's the man, huh? Is he an inspiration? Is he a role model for you? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. He's uh, he's he's one of the hardest working guys, most mentally strong. It's a pleasure being around the people that I'm around. You know. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing your progression in and out of the cage. Great job with the Twitter feed. I do suggest everyone who is on Twitter, even if they don't understand Spanish, to follow at Alejandro the UFC. Quite frankly, it's more entertaining than your normal Twitter feed, your, your English <laughs> one, to be quite honest with you. But uh, I'm looking forward to this fight. It's a great fight, great opportunity for you, April 4th, Fairfax, Virginia. And the card, by the way, I don't know if you know this, the card is taking place in the middle of the day. Main card starts at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So that's fun, right? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's, that was how it was in Australia, so I like that. It'll a, be good. A little afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. There it is. Thank like you, it. Al. All the best to you. Good. Ariel, thank you, man. I appreciate it. There he is. Raging ally Quinta stopping by. Great stuff from him. A huge opportunity for him. A big fight in the lightweight division on April 4th. Okay, let us move along now. And we were talking about good friends of the show. Well, this man, this was the first friend of the show. This was a guy who was a big part of our show way back when. He stops by every so often these days. Wanted to talk to him about what's next for him. He is on a roll so there's a lot of exciting things, I am sure. Of course, I'm talking about Matt Mitrione, who joins us right now via the phone. Matt, how are you? What's up, good looking? How you doing, brother? <laughs> Great to have you on the show. Um, so there I am on a Thursday afternoon just minding my business, and all of a sudden, Matt Mitrione... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. Whoa. What, what? You minding your own business? Yes. Let's, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> let's not get too crazy. <laughs> I'm just doing my thing, man. I'm just doing my thing, trying to survive. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, my Twitter feed is just in, in, in the midst of this storm. And you're, you, know, you, you have a very entertaining Twitter feed. We were just talking about that with uh, Ally Quinta. But uh, you seemed upset. You seemed legitimately pissed off. Is that accurate? Well, yeah, I'm bothered by that. I'm bothered by the fact that, uh, that uh, you know, I, I, get, I get a report. I've been waiting for the last two months for, for this fight to get announced. Like, when I tweeted however long ago, like, I think probably five, five or six weeks ago. Hey, I finally got a fight. You know, I just have to wait for it to get announced. This is the fight I was talking about. Like, I call up and I say, hey, look, or I get a phone call. They say, hey, look, this is this. If I were, were prepared to offer you, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, what, what do you think about these options? And I said, I'd love this option right here. I think this is perfect. I'd love to have this fight. Absolutely. And then, you know, five weeks later, I find out that this dude's still turning down the fight. Like, come on, guy. And, like, you know, and, and dude, I'm not saying he's ducking it. I'm not saying that at all because Arlovsky's done – you know, had some of the biggest fights in the world. He was getting out on Fedor, for, for God's sake, until, you know, until he got caught. And, um, you know, it's just, 
it's unfortunate. You think that he says that there's too much of a disparity between my ranking and his, but I'm only five spots behind him. And, and I think we all know in that situation that had I uh, had I gotten a chance to, to fight through, Stu wasn't really ready to get back. You know, it was his first time through a major significant event in his life. And I think I would have put hands on him. I think I would have knocked Stu out pretty quickly. Um, and so I'd be ranked right next to him or right behind him uh, if, if, if everything had gone the way it had. So, yeah, I'm, I was bothered by that, and I still am. Like, it's, come on, dude. Like, you, you, you used to go hard. You used to be the man. Like, when you had a hairy chest and long hair, you were the man. Like, bring that dude back. Come on. And just to be clear, because I never actually said his name, we're talking about Andre Arlovsky. Currently, he's ranked 7th. You are ranked 12th. You're on a great winning streak as of late. He's coming off a very big win over Bigfoot Silva, but that was a while ago. He had shoulder surgery. So where do you think stand right now after what transpired on Thursday? You know, I, I honestly, unfortunately, I don't know. I, I've talked to Joe Silva. I've been texting and tweeting Dana left and right. Uh, you know, and, and as far as I understand, there, there's, there's no change. She wants to fight somebody ranked higher than me, which I understand. Um, excuse me, because I'm in that same boat. I want to rank. So, I want to fight somebody ranked higher than I am. But in that same breath, I'm also surging right now. I'm, 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 I'm on three first round knockouts, and you know, like I said, it should be four. Uh, well, I guess I, I doubt I've gotten the, the Derek Lewis fight had I, had I fought through. But still, like I, I feel like I would have knocked Struve out, and how did I can talk out? It would be in the exact same boat, you know, and and I'd really be, I'd be ranked higher, and it'd be it'd be impossible for him to say no. But you know, it, it's frustrating. But uh, I think that I think everything points to the fact that this would be a hell of a fight. He's a legend in the sport. I respect the hell out of him. He's done so many things. Uh, and like I said in, in a tweet before, that Arlovsky is a prototypical athletic big man. He's got great footwork, incredibly fast hands, great power. Uh, he showed against my my my, my training partner and teammate Anthony Johnson. His chin is back. I don't know where it went or whatever else. So everybody calls him a glass jaw because he, he had a bad streak. But, I mean, do I love he's in there fighting with Anthony Johnson, who broke my face and had to get surgery on it to get it fixed. So I know how hard Anthony punches. And, uh, and, and I love he fought two rounds with a broken jaw. You know mm. what I mean? It's, so it, it's to be a hell of a fight, dude. We're both athletic. We're both strikers. We've both got, we've, we've both got every, every bit uh, of, of a fan base that wants to see that fight. And to me, it seems like a great fight. Oh, and like I was saying before, I'm ranked 12, but I'm streaking, right? I'm on, I'm on three first-round knockout streak. So even if you do beat me, you're going to go up in rankings because I'm pretty damn hot right now. Right. And the other thing is, I mean, if you look at who's between you and him, I, I, I like this matchup a lot. Actually, for both of you, to be honest, uh, Overeem has a fight in a month, so that's kind of out the window because he's busy. He already fought Rothwell. Um, you know, he already fought Roy Nelson, who's also, also fighting Overeem, and he just beat Antonio Silva, and that's it. So when you kind of consider it like that, I feel like you're almost closer than what you really are, if you get what I'm saying. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, like, another thing, too, man, like, I've already, people have texted me, hey, why don't you fight this one guy, this, the, the Russian guy, right? Why don't you fight the Russian guy, blah, 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 why are you being such a prima donna? I already fought somebody that wasn't ranked. Derek Lewis called me out by name, and instead of, instead of you know, hopping a pop and well, I should I would have beat Struve, and I want somebody this and that. I took that fight knowing it was a lose-lose situation. Now, I wasn't going to go up in rankings, and it was a big risk because he was unknown with a great amount of power, and uh, he picks people up, slams them on the ground, and mauls them. I finished that fight without getting touched. You know, like, I, I, I paid my dues. I deserve a fight that's in the top ten, and I think Arlovsky deserves, uh, you know, a, a big name and a big risk, and I'm that guy. I've got a big enough name to carry that fight. So does Arlovsky. And it's going to be a hell of an experience. And the fans are going to be happy for it. 
So you said you spoke to Joe Silva, you've texted Tweena Dana White. Was this all after this stuff came to light on Thursday? And have they given you an update? Like, have they said, sit tight, we're going to try to figure this out? Or, you know, we're going to have to go in a different direction. He just doesn't want the fight. Um, I haven't. I have not gotten uh, uh, either one of those. I hear the, 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 the roadblock is he wants to fight somebody ranked higher, and so do you. Hmm. Yes, you're right. Like, like, Arlovsky got to the position that he's in because number four, Bigfoot Silva, took that fight with number 14, Andre Arlovsky, and Arlovsky won. So Arlovsky got moved to number seven from number 14. Now, he won't, when he's number seven, he won't fight number 12? That's crazy. That's, that's nuts to me. And on top of that, I already, like I said, I already took a fight with Derek Lewis. Uh, uh, two fights in the UFC, unknown, big, big, huge risk with mad power. And he's intimidating as I have to look at, right? So I already took that fight. So now, I love you put, you put your stones on the line, right? You tweet, you say, as long as the UFC says so, anytime, anywhere. My ass, guys. The UFC's offered you a handful of times. You said no to that fight significantly uh, over a, a two-month period. So anytime, anywhere, that's a cop-out. Say yes. When Joe Silva calls you today, say, okay, you know what? I'll finally take it. He's been sweating me and persisting me so much. And he might go in there and whoop my ass and make me eat my words. And if he does, I'll eat all the humble pie I can take. And by the way, I may but be I don't a, see that happening. a little biased here. Anyone who uses House Taste My Pee Pee to bait an opponent, I mean, that's gold in my book. Hey, first of all, thank you very much. And I was actually really, I was really proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I bet a lot of people didn't know what you were talking about, right? Oh, I, I, you know, I've actually had a lot of people, a, a guy I grapple with named Carlos um, Soto here at, at Purdue. He's a, a, you know, whatever, brown belt, black belt under, um, under uh, Andre Galvao. And he had no clue what I was talking about. So I actually had to send him the link. You know, <laughs> like, like, Andre Galvao asked him Sylvia a question on, on YouTube, you know, like, it was great. I'll taste my big PT. I mean, actually, and Olofsky actually favorited. Somebody said, you know, why waste time on Olofsky or knock him out in the first round? And I, I gave a four-part answer to that. I said, number one, like, Arlovsky's a legend. Number two, um, he, he's a prototypical athletic big man. Number three is something I can't remember. And number four was, <laughs> he said, quote, how taste my PT. You know, like, and then Olofsky favorited that tweet. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. I know he likes it. He sold those T-shirts, too. At first, they hated it. They got so mad at me for asking him the question, and then they went and sold the T-shirts on his website. Well, dude, it's, it's, it's one of the best quotes in MMA history. It's fantastic, dude. I, and that's another thing, too, man. I think a lot of people get this thing twisted up that I don't, that I don't respect Arlovsky because I'm coming after him. That's completely opposite, man. Like, I, I respect Arlovsky so much that I'm coming after him. Like, like the dude, the dude is, a, is a legend in the sport. Like I said, we're getting out on Fedor until he made a silly mistake. You know, like, it, it's just it's the way things work sometimes. But it has nothing to do with me disrespecting him or, or, not, or not valuing his, his abilities at all. None whatsoever. I'm just saying, look, dude, go hard like you used to. Accept the fight. Let's do this. You beat me. I'm not saying to validate your position, but it, it will definitely move you up in the ranks, even though I'm ranked lower than you, because I'm, I'm such a hot commodity right now. It'll come after you, and you'll get rewarded for it. Is another potential issue the time frame? Because I'm assuming you want to get back in there and you know build on this momentum. You last fought in December. He's still somewhat recovering, although I think he's pretty close. But you know they have this show in Chicago. Maybe he's going to wait for that. He's a huge draw in Chicago. I mean, do you want to fight sooner rather than later as well? Oh, do I, 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 all right, so there's, there's, a, there's a problem here. I'm 36 years old, right? Yeah. I can't wait around all the time. A Rolling Stone guy has no moss, right? Well, I'm too damn old to be gathering moss anyway. So let me get in there. Let me work. Let me, let me stay 
you know, as, as young and spry and as irresponsible and immature as I am with my body, let, let me keep rolling. And, um, and I, I think, I think the fans appreciate that perspective. Like, I, but the bad part is like, there's only 11 guys in the world ranked higher than me right now. Right. I guess 12. Cause they go to number one and the champion. So the, those, those fights have to work out and like the time frame has to be able to work out. But, you know, I, I, I but I want, I want to stay active, man. Hell, after I beat Naga, I, I, I was practicing three days later, you know, mm. like I, I, I it's just the way it works, man. I just want to work, baby. I just want to work. I want to get paid. I want to work. I want to put on damn good shows. When I retire out of the UFC, I want when I when I'm done, I want people to be like, damn, I may have hated his guts and couldn't stand his voice, but that dude always brought it. Whether he wins or loses, he always does it big. Football, MMA. Have you ever felt this confident in your athletic ability? I'm, I'm probably one of the most arrogant people that I've ever met when it comes down to my athletic ability. Okay. So, yes, I, I always have. But um, as far as um, me being a fighter, a complete fighter, uh, I feel that I am better than I've ever been in my life. And I am not afraid to tell the world pretty obviously. Uh, but I feel dangerous. I feel like, uh, I feel that my, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to say because I, cause I had such a poor showing against Brendan, but like my grappling is pretty, pretty freaking good. I feel that I catch people by surprise all the time, and they say, wow, you know, I, I had no clue your grappling is that good. Same thing with my wall take down, in the sense, and my wrestling and my scrambling abilities. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time, and this is a fight I think was a hell of a show. Plus, you got to remember something, too. I'm renegotiating after this next fight, so this is a huge risk for me. Like, mm. for me to take on a fighter like Arlovsky, if I lose that fight, I lose probably 50 Gs or more a fight. You know, like, that's a huge risk. I'm not trying to play safe. I could go in and fight a no-name guy and be like, hey, I just won this fight. I'm on four, four knockouts or four, four state victories. What the hell does that do? That's, that's, I can't lay my head down on the pillow and sleep well at night knowing that. I'm trying to test myself and I'm trying to push it. I think that needs to be respected and I, I deserve this fight. So you have one fight left on your contract? I, I, I have two fights. So okay. they, they don't let you get off contract. So yep. um, we'll renegotiate after this next fight. Okay, fair enough. Um, hey, by the way, speaking of, of the football stuff, I mean... You've been in those locker rooms before. You know about there's a PED problem in MMA right now that's coming to light. Is it a bigger issue in the NFL as far as you're concerned or in MMA? Um, okay, so I haven't really put, I have not put my mind to this too much lately. So okay. they're going to kind of catch me thinking on the fly here. Um, I think that there, I think that there's an issue with, with with performance-enhancing drugs on any level, whether that is professional chess or, or professional sports. doesn't matter. So I think that there's always going to be a line that's going to be drawn, and there's always going to be somebody to figure out some way to step over that line uh, and, and not get caught or, or to take as much of a chance as possible. And um, I think it's difficult because MMA right now is getting a pretty, pretty in my opinion, my perspective, a pretty ugly black eye. Right, like a lot of large names that are getting caught up for this and that and the other. Right. Well, first of all, I think that, I think the fact that people care so much about weed is a shame. But you know, if if weed is considered a performance-enhancing drug, I mean, you might as well consider caffeine a performance-enhancing drug and say people can't drink coffee anymore either. And that's kind of ridiculous to me. But um, as far as like performance-wise and everything else, uh, yeah, I think there's an issue. But I, I don't know, I don't know if it's bigger in football or more prevalent in football or in MMA. But I will tell you this much. I think that instead of running gear, like running, instead of taking steroids or growth or whatever else, 
I think the problem is that people don't train intelligently. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, I, I, I proudly say that I will take a fight at any given time, right? I, I, like, and the only one I've ever turned down in my life um, was, was, Sean, was Daniel Cormier, right? And I'll tell you why I turned down Cormier. I think I've told you this before in private AH, but, like, at that time, I was, uh, I, I was out from injury, right? I just lost a fight to Chet Congo. I was out on injury or whatever else. I was out for a while. I had no money. I was pretty broke. Then they called up with the opportunity to fight Daniel Cormier. Well, at that time, I had a bigger name than Cormier. I had to leave, I had to leave UFC, go to Strike Force, fight a guy who just won the tournament, but there's no title at stake and there's no extra money. So I had a huge risk, huge, huge risk to, get, to come over for the, for the last fight of, of Strike Force. Like, mm. it made no sense. So I turned that fight down and I said, you know, probably, you know, because he's a better wrestler than I am, I'm not ready yet, which is, which is true at the, at the point, but there were also a few underlying situations there. It wasn't just because I was intimidated by his abilities, it was because. It didn't make business sense. It just wasn't the right decision. Uh, and then I got put on blast by it, right? Which I was not sure, whatever. You know, you do what you got to do as a promoter. But um, as far as it goes, I always say, anytime, anywhere, I will take a fight. Like, as long as you guys can get me into the country with a visa or whatever, I'm down for the cause. And I, so that means I'm, I'm obviously not running steroids because I couldn't say that and be, and be willing to get called to the carpet anytime. So I think that my training methods are better, are smarter. I don't put on 16 ounce clothes anymore. I don't spar hard. I don't put on headgear. I don't, I don't beat my brain up and beat my body up like that. I listen to myself and my body says, Hey dude, you just had too damn much today. Okay. Then I take the day off or I go swimming and I do something else. Instead I recover. And you know, with, with the sport of MMA, there's so many sports you got to prepare for, right? Like freestyle wrestling, Greco wrestling, scrambling, mat wrestling, uh, grappling. You got to worry about heel hooks. There's so much more, so much extra pressure. And, and with grappling, you're going to do probably seven to, 10, five minute to three, three to five minute rounds per grapple session with different people. And everybody knows that you're the guy in the UFC, so everybody's going to go hard on you. So all your grappling sessions are, are, are killer. You know, when you get caught in something, you're going to, you're not going to tap because you're going through something. You're going to try to work your way out of it. And you get a, you get a sore shoulder or whatever else. And you go box the next day and you have to do this. And all of a sudden your body's beat to hell. So uh, I, in my opinion, you, you, you listen to your body more. You don't just train through it. We're not stupid like that. We don't just run through walls for no reason. So you get your body to the point where it can handle what you put it through, and you don't need excess supplementation to do, do so. You know, and if you're talking like, oh, well, you know, Bob takes uh, 200 grams of protein a day. Well, Bob can do that because Bob's not going to get popped for 200 grams of protein. He may have some kidney stones he has to deal with, but he's not hmm. going to get popped for protein intake. Um, so I, I think that there might be a problem with, with PEDs, but I think it's because the sport hasn't evolved enough to realize that, kicking each other's ass or kicking your own ass every single day, day in, day out with limited rest and recovery is, is ridiculous. And on top of that, I think, well, this is probably going to ruffle some feathers here, but I think that strength and conditioning is a major, a major trouble with MMA. Cause I think everybody works so hard on the match, right? Like you don't go on the mat and half ass it. You don't do that. Like, cause if you do, you're going to get hurt. Cause that guy you're going against is going to try to bust his ass no matter what's happening. And he's getting ready for something else. So you go in the match and you fight hard every time. Doesn't matter what the situation is. But then you go and do strength and conditioning and you're lifting on a beat up body. You're doing the ropes and all this other madness and this and this and this. And your body gets worn down and you never get a chance to recover. And too many people say, like, I've been approached by all these derelicts and fools that say, oh, I can, I can make you, I can all make you puke in one round. Go to hell, guy. I don't need anybody running me into the ground so much that I puke. That's not the answer. All that does is just ruin your 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 uh, your neurological system and 
I, you know, everything else. They just run you to the ground. It's foolish. And I think that so many people think, oh, he works me so hard, that means they're getting better. And I think it's quite the contrary. So I, don't, I just don't think that, that training is caught up to the, the mentality of, you know, bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, I think that everybody tries to run themselves through walls just because uh, they feel like they're supposed to versus listening to the body more. Boy, was that, a, was that a hell of a soapbox there, or was, <laughs> well, that, was that okay? Well, did you hear? It was great. Uh, did you hear Brendan Schaub say, uh, on his podcast, there's just no reason everyone shouldn't take steroids. He was saying, like, give me one good reason. It, it seems like even if you take the risk, look at the money you'll make. You know, a lot of good things will happen to you before you even possibly get caught. Can you see that? I mean, you, I, I hate to think well, that people think that way, but, you know, it no, seems no, to be no, a reality, no, no, right? But I'm, I'm friends with Brendan, right? And, and so, so I, I'm, I'm going to try to support him no matter what, but I don't think he's far off. Right. And that's a that's a hell of a radical statement to make, right? Like especially Brendan to come out and say that publicly, like that's that's madness. But I don't think he's that far off. There's there 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 should be. And if I do for some reason, if I ever get popped for anything, whether oh, I put it in my body or whatever the hell's going on, that's my responsibility. I put it in my body. It's my fault. I screwed that up. So I deserve the punishment for it. So I think there needs to be something that's pretty significant about it. Like and 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 GSP is correct that that is going into a fight with a weapon. Dude, you, you are, you're, you're, you're geared up, you're artificially enhanced, and you are going to cause damage to somebody doing something. Whether that's a heel hook that, that you wouldn't have done the finish, but you had enough, had enough extra squeeze because you were able to do all these extra reps or whatever else, you know, or you had some, you had some enhanced strength. But you got to remember something, too. Like, Luke Rockland had a hell of a position on some stuff that, you know, it, the steroids didn't beat me. This, I believe, what he said, or I'm paraphrasing. But he said the steroids didn't beat me, but the extra time in the gym and the extra reps that he was allowed to do mm. were what allowed him to do X, Y, and Z, right? And, he, and I, you know, and so that's a hell of a position to take because it's highly accurate in my opinion. You're talking about the rest and recovery that PEDs that that PEDs allow, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem. It's not like all this artificial manufactured strength. It's the fact you're able to get all these extra reps out of what you're doing. And I think as a response of that. Well, that's a hell of a great, that's a very insightful comment. I don't know if people pick that up or not. Yeah, and I don't want to just take one little quote out of context. I do suggest people check uh, out his podcast, The Fighter and the Kid, last week when he spoke about it. And he also didn't say that he takes steroids. He was just kind of playing devil's advocate here. Um, It's a fascinating discussion, so I suggest everyone check it out. Last thing before I let you go, Matt, and I appreciate the honesty as always. uh, Is there a plan B here? I mean, what are you doing? Are you just sitting back or do you have another guy on your mind that you're going to go after? Because like you said, you don't want to sit around and wait. Right. Well, you know, uh, uh, obviously, Arlovsky is so, first of all, he's a damn good-looking dude. So when I say this, <laughs> you can go ahead and take it out of context if you want. It's, it's, he's so sexy. It's a sexy fight. It's a sexy name across the board. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's what I want. I want to fight Arlovsky. I want to push myself. I want to be tested. He's number seven in the world for a reason. You know, like, the dude comes out there and puts on a show and, uh, and is capable of beating anybody in the world on any given day. And I feel in the exact same way. And we're both primarily strikers. Uh, Allah's got a hell of a game, uh, a ground game, you know, for a Sambo. And, um, and I, I've got a game that just, I've worked so much on that if I've got to show it and not completely pissed on my leg with it, I think people would be impressed. But, um, you know, I, I want that fight. So is there a plan B? Yeah, plan B is to fight Arlovsky. So is C, B, E, and F. I might, if I get all the way to J, I'll say, you know what, I'd like to fight somebody in the top 10. Okay. Um, but if I can't get somebody in the top 10, then I'll just sit and chill and, and, and cut jokes and maybe look at uh, being a TV personality, taking over a show called MMA Hour because they're hosts. Oh, yeah. 
You can come oh, here anytime. Sorry about that. I'd love to have you in studio one of these days. You need to come here. You, you help build this show. So uh, you you always have a spot right next to me on this show. For now, good luck getting the fight, Matt. Uh, I, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the honesty and the takes as always. And uh, hopefully you get it sooner rather than later. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it, man. All right, there he is, Matt Mitrione. As we said, surging heavyweight, looking to get a big fight against Andre Arlovsky. Let us stick with the heavyweight division now and talk about a man who's back in the news. We haven't seen him fight since December of 2013. You haven't seen him inside the octagon since then, but you've seen him on this show several times. Well, now he says, according to his manager, super manager, Leland Labar, he says that he's ready to resume his UFC career. Let us find out for ourselves. Let us welcome in Mr. Josh Barnett via the magic of Skype. Josh, how are you? I am well. We have not seen you fight for a long time, <laughs> but people have seen you on this show many a times. And I feel like at this point, they're like, all right, we, we now see Josh on this show more than we actually see him fight. It's like the fourth time since your last fight you've been on. Is it in fact true that you are ready to resume your UFC career? I am. I am. And uh, I'm kind of like that, that relative you just can't seem to get rid of. I just keep creeping around your set. Popping out here, popping out there. I'm just always hanging around, you know, just seeing what you got in the fridge. So let's have an honest discussion here. Why did you take this break? Oh, come on. You ask a lot of me. No, no, I just want to know, like, why the break? I mean, you came on and sometimes you were a bit vague, but like now that you're back, now that you're ready to resume and go on this run and get back to where you were, why did you take this break? Uh, It was just so much stuff going on. I mean, uh, uh, movie stuff that I've been working on, um, training my, my other fighters that I've been working with. So Victor Henry was just over in Japan. Uh, he's fought there twice, actually, um, since last year, uh, winning both fights in the main events for a company called Grand Slam, beating Hideo Tokoro by knockout and submitting Masakatsu Ueda by knee bar in the third round. And so with that, he's now managed to get himself a contract into Pancras, and we're going we're gonna to go see if we can't take him all the way to the top and, and bring another, uh, another uh, member into the, the royal family here. <laughs> uh, also, Colleen Schneider's fighting in Invicta 11 uh, against Irina Aldana on the 27th. Uh, she also won the FILA Grappling World Championships. She went to uh, Hungary to do that. Uh, she won the SFL Americas title, as did Victor Henry. Um, and she's going to be fighting in Pancras as well on May. And I've got a lot of stuff going on uh, that way. And then also, like I said, the, the movie, the television stuff with uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling yes. um, work that Mauro Ronaldo are doing on Axis TV. They just came at us. They want to order more episodes because it's doing so fantastically well. And uh, there's been a lot of things out there just, just keeping me real busy. But when it comes to fighting, stuff... I have to put a lot of that stuff on hold, not necessarily the working with the athletes, but everything else that I'm working with in the entertainment industry. And you know, the entertainment has a, has a real hard time trying to understand the fact of, hey, you know, actually, if I don't give my best performance on camera, that's, you know, the editor can do this or that. If I don't get my best performance in the cage, somebody punches my nose halfway off my face. So... Yeah, you're just going to have to take a backseat. Plus, they like to be a bit sporadic about things. Oh, no, no, we're going to go in May. No, it's May. It's May. It's Oh, it's going to get pushed. To, oh, that doesn't work, man. <laughs> you got to keep a hard schedule, but they don't. So uh, 
once I go into fighting, I, I just have to tell everybody no. And honestly, I don't like to uh, to to see any doors closed potentially uh, because of availability. And you know, I, I still got a lot of fight left in me, but I'm not trying to be a person that's uh, that's really only one dimensional. So you're obviously busy. I want six dimensions. Right, of course. Uh, you're busy. Things are going well. Why even come back at this point? Like, why did you feel like, all right, now's the time? I felt like, well, for one, I felt like I needed to get an on-air live interview in person with Ariel again and mm. mess with him when there's no real opportunity to do anything else but to just sit there and have to roll with the punches. I, I feel like you've been having it really easy recently wow. with these... Uh, with these fighter clods, you know, not not pushing your buttons and messing with you. Okay, so, okay, I appreciate that. There's that. Uh, also, I think the UFC needs a real injection of some excitement in the heavyweight division, and uh, I bring that mm. not only with with word but with action. So uh, they just need more metal, man. Place isn't very metal. What's your What's your take on the division right now? I mean. Since you last fought, Cain Velasquez has yet to fight. He fought October of 2013. It seems like we're still in this state of you know, this holding pattern. Fabrizio Verdum, the interim champion. But to be quite honest, not much has changed in the division since you last fought. So what's your take on it? Uh, I think somebody should shake it up. Mm. And that person should be me. Uh, get a hold of it. Throw the little piece of chicken in the little bag. The deal... <laughs> Yes. In the oven for a little bit, uh, have a little bit of uh, rice aroni on the stove. You know, basically the bachelor's grand feast. I don't know. Does, does anybody even remember what shake and bake is anymore? I, I think you do. I do. I love shake and bake. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's not Kane's fault. I mean, I don't think he's making a choice. Hey, I'm not going to fight. Sure. He's just, he gets hurt, man. The, the guy trains very hard and, and, and he's had some bad luck. So I don't doubt that he'd be out there defending his title, given an opportunity, uh, but he's not 100%. So there it sits. But as far as what's going on up at the top, you know, that, that's the way it is. When, when one guy's got the belt, things happen a lot slower. Uh, but down underneath, well, hell, anything can happen at any moment. And so that's where I come in. So let's break some news here. When are you returning and against two? I don't have anything locked in yet. Okay. I know you love vague vagaries, <laughs> but that's just unfortunately uh, the UFC is. Uh, I mean, they're planning a bazillion events every month, so it's just going to have to take a bit of time until they have an opponent for me and they have a set date. But we are in talks. We are we are in constant connection. Um, I sent them a little box of. Uh, chocolates the other day okay and they sent me a little gift certificate for a mani petty down the street which was very nice of them uh, but uh they'll let me know as soon as we can get something going do you have a time frame in mind do you have an opponent in mind this year okay. and somebody willing to fight me no one in particular you haven't mapped it out you seem like the map out kind of guy i don't map anything out i just go okay who wants to get in the cage? Oh, okay. He thinks he's a badass. Let's go kick the shit out of him. That's mm. that's basically my. I I can't really make 
a fight happen. I, I can't make, I cannot do that. I cannot force somebody to get out there. I cannot force their manager to agree to it. I cannot force the UFC to agree to it. And I cannot force them to sign a contract. Well, I probably could. But that's a lot of effort. That's like fighting twice there. But, uh, you know, or I guess I should take a smarter route with it and just be like, hey, does this rag smell like chloroform? Oh, I guess it does. And sign it for them. But either way, I can't force that kind of stuff to happen. All I can do is put myself out there, be willing, be ready and able. And, uh, you know, if the UFC goes, okay, well, we're going to match you up with Joe Schmo or uh, Shecky Goldstein, then they will. Yes. <laughs> I could be anybody. Sure. This is an international sport, Ariel. It's true. Shecky Goldstein sounds like the name of what my character uh, would be called in our in our little pro wrestling fantasy. Sounds like a perfect name for him. Um, you know, your it does th- sound like a perfect name. We would not fight, though. No, we no, are we are no. the break of super team. You're 37, 40 pro fights under your belt. Do mm-hmm. you still feel the same about the sport, or are you feeling like that we have on record? Yeah. So do you still feel the same about the sport, or do you feel like okay, this is my final run, this is one last year for me? Where are you at mentally? Uh, mentally, uh, I don't know. I don't. I guess I'm a pretty happy, fun. I, I don't know. I, I, everything's still pretty much the same for me. I'm not a a child trying to prove to the world how t- tough I am. I don't know how tough I am. You know, I'm ready to take on any title fight anywhere in the world. I can t- dethrone any champion that exists on this earth by far. But I just want to get out there and, and do the most of what I got left. I don't know what that is. I don't look at things as last runs, and I don't speak in finalities because I'll know when it gets there. But until then, there's no point to trying to come up with some some date uh, and then try to meet that goal. I'm not trying to meet the goal of being, being done with fighting. By the way, you always seem to come at us from uh, the same spot. Right now, it seems like you're in a, some kind of pantry. Where exactly are you? Uh, in an undisclosed location. Okay. Somewhere in Eastern Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, hey, I want to ask you about this Victor Henry fellow. You know, your manager, Leland, doesn't stop talking yeah. about him. Says he's the best 135er in the world, which is a bit of a crazy statement. I mean, TJ Dillashaw he's has... A crazy he is a crazy Both guy. Why, why are you guys so high on this guy? And why isn't he in the UFC? He's not well, he's one, I believe. What's that? Uh, I said he's our dealer, for one. Oh, okay. Hi, hi, he's high. Uh, I, I don't know if Mitrion got, got in enough jokes for you, so sure. I, I at okay. least had to go with, you know, I don't know, some old vaudevillian, take my wife, please. Right, uh, right, right. But, uh, he, he, why, we're high on him because the kid is talented. He is ferocious and vicious in the ring uh i nicknamed him the the mongoose la mangosta okay because he's he, he's very devilishly clever and funny i always call him a little rapscallion he's climbing crap he's running around he's always got he's just full of energy and just very quick-witted and 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 just getting into stuff but when it comes time to 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 get to business he's he's like a mongoose have you ever seen a mongoose fight a cobra they're those things are killers they're vicious they're mean as shit and that is exactly who victor is and he's been with me for for quite some time and i've watched him grow a lot and i've seen champion level 
aspects out of him. Even uh, even if his when his fight uh, acumen wasn't as good as it is to this point, mentally and, and uh, in the ring and in intent, in he had a championship level quality to him. And so uh, you know, he he's just beaten two highly touted Japanese champions back to back. In fact, both of them had more victories and he had fights altogether wow so a name to remember victor henry he's next fighting in pancreas in may as you said by the way something just came uh came to me here you know there are these strong rumors that around march april brock lesnar is going to be a free agent i know you spoke about him in the past in the back of your mind are you are, are you praying to the mma gods i mean i don't know if they'd throw him in there with you right off the bat but you never know two wrestlers i mean that that would be big business right there barnett versus lesnar that would be huge business. Uh, it would be a great match to make happen, but no one could, I could never make that. Uh, I could never force the issue, but I could always, I've always put my, my, my voice out there in terms of wanting that fight. But then again, I, at this point, I think it just sounds like I'm joining the chorus right. of all the MMA heavyweights that have all, it, it's kind of the same thing is, uh, uh, as CM Punk, in that these guys are all out there running their mouths, saying how they want to go beat up Punk or beat up Lesnar because they think it's an easy payday, because they think they see some lack of uh, ability in their their MMA game because of them not being fighters for for pretty much their whole life. That they're going to go out there and, and get all that glory and get all the notoriety to go beat up this guy. They see it as like, a real an easy shot which is i don't know and in some ways it's kind of cowardly actually but uh for me i just i think of it as the business side of things uh not the business as in oh i'm going to make so much money but business as in that is you know two pro wrestlers the styles um yeah seeing the two of us go at it is because people will find interest in it and the fight will be interesting uh, itself, not just in, hey, I'm some guy who's going to try and go bully some other guy who's got less experience and then act like I'm king king shit of Turd Mountain. <laughs> okay, true or yeah, false? Yeah, other guys, yeah, I, I want punk, man. Yeah, give yeah, me yeah, punk, yeah. yeah. Okay, dude, you've got like 30 fights and sure. you won like three different titles in other little organizations <laughs> and now you're going to fight the guy with zero fights. Oh, look at how fucking badass you are. True or false? CM Punk wins his UFC debut. I have no idea. What do you think? I hope so. I you're pulling for I, 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 I look, man. I, I've trained with him a little bit. Or I should say I've trained him a little, tiny bit. Oh yeah, uh, wow, but I didn't I, know that. I'm sure uh, Rufus is doing a. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing. I, I doubt it, it to the level that you'll even see any of it in the in the cage when he makes his debut. But uh, I'm sure that they're doing a great job with him up at Rufus Sport, and I'm sure he's training very hard. I, I know he trained very hard to become the, the wrestler that he is. Uh, so he's probably putting that effort right into, into his fight training. And I, I really hope for the best of him. Uh, nothing, nothing to do but to watch him get out there and, and, and go for it and lock up with somebody and, and see who comes up on top. So you have no problem with the UFC signing him, of course? No. Uh... I am of the, the I am of the ilk that does not really believe this is that much of a sport and more of uh, you know an event. Oh wow, that's interesting. That I think that will ruffle a lot of the purest feathers. 
Well, why do you feel that him. way? Uh, that's a long conversation. Okay. But I would say that at the end of the day, one has to take into account that if we don't have people's butts in the seats, if we don't have people watching the events, then we don't have anything. This isn't the kind of thing uh, where we've got city money and we've got uh, uh, tax exemption on it and all this. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. This isn't that kind of a business. Uh, this is far more akin to the business of professional wrestling in, in terms of the the model of how you make money. And, and, and it's somewhat similar to boxing, not entirely, but uh, uh, it has some some crossover in, in the way that they make their make their money. But it's you, it's it's just a different whole thing. It's not like the NFL. It's not like MLB. It's not the same kind of deal. We don't make money the same way we do, but we don't. And we don't get the kind of breaks that they do as well. So uh, you have to make it so that people are interested to show up and watch. Uh, there's a lot of sporting aspect to what we do. But in the end, hey, sometimes we got we to gotta go out there and get the fights that people want to see. Because in the end of the day, if people aren't tuning in to what they want to see, they're not going to tune in at all. And then none of us are going to have a job. Very well said. We will end on that point because I think it segues perfectly into our next guest. Uh, Josh, welcome back. It's great to have you back in the mix. I look forward to your return. I wish the best to not only you, but your guy, Victor, and also Colleen next week at uh, Invicta in Los Angeles. Hopefully I'll see you out there. Uh, all the best and appreciate the time as always. All right, man. Take care. All right, there he is. Josh Barnett stopping by. Good to have him back in the mix in the heavyweight division. All right, as I said, his his final... His final answer there was a perfect segue for our next guest, and I say guest, plural, because we have two coming up right now. Last week, it was officially announced and reported on UFC Tonight that one of the most talked about, debated fights in MMA history that up until this point was never a possibility is going to be a reality on May 16th in Manila, of all places. Some are calling it the Thriller in Manila 2. Some are calling it East versus West our version of Biggie versus Tupac, whatever it is, it's a tremendous fight. It's a five-round main event in the featherweight division. It's former UFC lightweight champion Frankie Edgar going up against former WEC featherweight champion Uriah Faber. I don't know if I've ever been more excited about a fight when it was announced, just like the initial reaction that I had to finding out that this fight was actually going to happen on May 16th. So I said, we need to have both these guys on at the same time. And thankfully, they both said yes. So let me welcome in both Frankie Edgar and Uriah Faber right now. Frankie, are you there? I'm here. Uriah, are you there? Yeah, what's cracking? Ariel, how are you, brother? Oh, man, this is so exciting. Just having you both on the show uh, just speaks volumes to how great... Uh, of, of individuals you both are. So thank you so much for coming on and appreciate the time. Very excited about this. Uh, Uriah, I want to start with you. Your manager, Mike Roberts, told me that this was the toughest fight that he's ever had to put together. And this is a guy who manages the likes of Anthony Pettis, Joseph Benavidez, Chad Mendez, Chael Sonnen. The list goes on and on. Why, in your opinion, was it so hard to put on this fight? You know what? Uh, I think, you know, both Frankie and I are looking to do big fights and... Um, you know, they've given other options, so I don't know for him why it was difficult. I mean, we talked about different fight locations and different dates, and uh, before we, you know, we talked about different weight classes even. I know that Dana had tried to talk Frankie into going down to 135s when they tried to make this fight with the Ultimate Fighter show, and, and 
I mean, standing next to the guy, I can tell he's a little bigger than I am, and I feel like I'm going to die every time I make 135. So uh, I don't think that was an option. He didn't want to go down. Uh, at the time, I was, I was, I was willing to go up to 145s, but they they sit, uh, you know, who was it? Uh, who was it? BJ oh, BJ Penn to go to go uh, go in my place. So I don't know, man. I don't know why it was difficult for him, but it's just something that has been talked about a lot and not happened. So, Frankie, why now? Why is this the right time to make this fight? You know, I, I think, like I was saying, you know, I think it was always up, up, up in the air, um, but I think it was the weight class that was the issue. And uh, now that I think Uri uh, just, just, you know, agreed to fight at 45 or he was willing to come up, uh, it kind of all worked out. Timing's right. I mean, uh, we were both in similar spots. You know, we're both at the top of our division. Top of our division for the longest time, you know, and... Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of pretty well-known guys at the lighter weights. I don't know if there's many more well-known guys than us, uh, other than probably B.J. Aldo and, and McGregor now, but it uh, kind of makes sense. So, Uriah, are you disappointed in, 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 in some sense that it's taking place at 145 and not the division you currently fight at 135? Oh, heck no. <laughs> it's so hard for me to make 135s, man. And I, uh, you know, this is a, this is a fight. You know, I've said it before. I think Frankie's one of the best fighters of all time. He's beat guys that, I've been in the pound-for-pound pound rankings for years multiple times, like guys like B.J. Penn. And, um, you know, I don't want to go and, and have a fight and put him in a place where, you know, there's there's question of whether or not he's having his best performance because he's making weight. I don't know. You said, Frank, you think you can make 135? Can I make 35? I mean, you know, I, I think I might be able to make it. I don't know how my performance would be. Uh, I, you know, I think <clears throat> me and your eye probably weigh the same. So what's the point of us, you know? cutting 10 extra pounds to fight each other right. and put it back on anyway, you know? Yeah, I, I, I hit up, uh, I don't know how much how much you walk around at, but I, I've, you know, I cut from about 158 to make 35s, and, and I, like I said, it was a, it's a, it's a hard time. I remember thinking last time, like, how many times did I do this without really permanently messing up my body? So uh, I'll go back down to 35s, but I want to have a couple super fights. In my opinion, you know, it, I've been an entire career where I haven't had an opportunity to have uh, big-name fights, unfor- unfortunately. You know, if you look at guys like the heavyweight division, at 205s and 85s, there's guys that have been around in Pride and Dream and, and you know, all these organizations being televised for years and years and years. And the smaller guys, it hasn't been as long of a history. So having a big name like Frankie and me being in the, in the position – having the ability to go up and challenge myself and, and, and have a fight like this is exciting for me, man. That's why I fight. Frankie, this may sound like a crazy statement, but I am more, as a fan, I'm more excited about this fight than you getting a title shot next because we haven't seen the fight. It's a fight that's been talked about and dreamed about for so long. Is it possible that this excites you more than fighting Aldo again? Is that possible? You know, I mean, just just because the notion of it's your eye favor. I mean, when I, when I first came into the UFC, he was, he was the man. You know what I mean? He was the guy everyone was trying to dig. And, uh, you know, for me to be able to, you know, finally, you know, be across from the octagon, it's definitely exciting. So how do you feel about this fight, Uriah? What, what does this one mean for you? Like, when's the last time a fight like this tickled your fancy? Man, it's, it's been a long time, probably not since Jens Pulver. And Jens Pulver was a guy that, you know, was the first world champion for the, for the UFC and had a win over BJ Penn and, and someone I've looked up to for a long time Man, I got so excited for that fight, and so I, I would say this is in the same boat. Wow. It's funny because I remember—I don't know if Frankie remembers the first time we met, but it was uh, in the in the uh, locker room at the Mandalay Bay at the spa down there, 
and he was about to fight Tyson Griffin. And I think that's probably the, you know, the first time I met him, I said, oh, you're fighting Tyson Griffin. And he's like, oh, yeah, you fought him, right? And I, and we, I said, oh, yeah, he's, he's, you know, got a lot of power if he can plant his feet, but he's not real upper body, isn't real strong. And we just talked for like a second. And then we didn't really talk much after that for years. So, I mean, that was the yeah. first time I met him was his first fight. And uh, I remember that, and, and I was, I've was been a fan ever since that fight because that was the first time we saw Frankie get in there and, and throw down. So now I'm just excited to have this fight. I like the East Coast-West Coast, Coast uh, rivalry we got going. And as far as a fan base, I mean, there, there can be a, you know, a, a more polar, polar opposite in the U.S. Yeah, and, and you come out you know, to Tupac, and, and he comes out to Biggie uh, usually. And it's, as you said, it's great for East and West. But, Frankie, I got to ask, you know, not hating on the Philippines, but why is this fight taking place in the Philippines? Would you have preferred it to take place in, say, Jersey or California, somewhere in the United States? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to BS. I would have much rather have it in, in, in the States, you know, uh, especially the fact that it is east and west. You know, I, I consider myself and Dry some good old American boys, you know. It would have been nice to, to, to do it on in our soil. But, uh, you know, I get where the UFC is coming from, too. It's a new market in the Philippines. Um, you know, they're very big, big fight fans and, you know, we're little guys, you know, I think they can relate to us. So, uh, you know, it kind of makes sense to put that fight over there for them as well. How do you feel about the Philippines, Uriah? You know, I, I think, uh, fighting in, in California or I was sad, maybe fighting in Jersey. That was the original talk of this fight. Uh, Vegas, the, the fight cap of the world, that'd be awesome. But Manila has a history of fighting, man, and I, I actually went down there to the Philippines and, and met the people and talked about a huge fan base over there, man. They, they love mixed martial arts, and they're so appreciative. It's funny the way they use the word idol. Idol to them is like, hey, I'm a big fan. They say idol. Like, you're my idol and <laughs> stuff like that. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. I didn't realize everybody in the Philippines uh, speaks English for the most part also. So um, I, I feel like it's going to be a, a great event. The UFC always does a good job of building up these fights, and um, I'm, I'm just ready to put on my part and throw down. So some are calling this the Thrilla in Manila 2, of course, the original Thrilla in Manila, one of the most famous rivalries in the history of sport. Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, their third fight in 1975 took place in Manila. They had a tremendous rivalry, but there was a lot of bad blood there. Frankie, how would you describe the state of your relationship with your eye? I know you're not best buds, but like, what's... I, you don't seem like the type, both of you, that has animosity. I didn't expect you to come here and trash talk and whatnot, but is this the kind of guy in your mind, like, I cannot lose to Uriah Faber? Like, how, how do you view this man? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hold him in high, high regard. You know, obviously, like I said, when I first came in, he was the man. And I do remember that conversation we had, uh, my first fight in the UFC in the, in the, the Manway Bay locker room, and I remember talking to my buddy saying, wow, you know, Uriah Faber, he was the champion of WC. You know, he was always, you know, on commercials and TV, and I'm like, wow, he's, he's actually pretty cool. So, uh, you know, for him to be a classy guy from the get-go, um, you know, I still hold him in that, in, in that regard. But, uh, yeah, of course, the competitor in me doesn't want to lose to him. You know, I, I kind of feel like at the lighter weight, you know, who's the most popular guy you know, at, at, at in the most more recent years? And I would say it's me and Uriah. So, you know, I want to be able to take that home with me. But, um, you know, I know he's going to bring it, and, uh, you know, I am as well. Do you like that comparison to the Thrill Manila, Uriah? I mean, that doesn't matter to me. I, I, I think, you know... I'm going to do everything in my power to win that fight, and I would expect nothing less than Frankie. I mean, you know, Thrill in Manila, that's fine. I think recent MMA fans probably don't remember that fight as much. I think the promoters do, of course, because that was such a monumental fight in boxing history. 
but the MMA fan, the casual MMA fan, is going to know it as uh, you know Faber and, and Edgar, which is is cool with me, man. But I, I like the, I like the the stigma. I mean, what it really comes down to is you're going to have two guys that are really trying to beat the crap out of each other, man. And that's that's what's going to happen. And, and I'm I'm trading accordingly, and I, I assume he is as well. So uh, that that's what I'm looking forward to uh, an epic battle. And I, and I plan on winning, man, of course. Frankie, I know you really wanted that title shot before any of this was really on the table. How disappointed were you when you got the word that it wasn't going to you next? Uh, you know, I kind of set myself up for, uh, for for that. You know, uh, I kind of expected it, not not to get it, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, when I found out, it was kind of just more, more of a confirmation type thing. But, uh, you know, I mean, a, a, a great win over your eye is only going to get me to where I want to be. Do you think the UFC is making a mistake by giving it to Connor? Uh, yeah, listen, this is a business, and uh, but let, let let them make their money off Connor, man. He, you know, a lot of people are going to tune in to watch that guy fight. And, uh, he's done a great job of promoting himself and, and winning the fights he had to win to, to be able to fight for this title. So, uh, you know, no mistakes. Uh, you know, I feel if I, as long as I keep doing the, th- the things I'm doing, uh, I'm going to get to where I want to be. And Uriah, is this the beginning of, of your run once again at 145? Are you done at 135 now? I'm not done anywhere, you know. I, I I've been in the sport like 12 years. This is on my 12th year, I think. Um, and I have a real hard time turning down great opportunities. Hence the reason I'm I'm fighting Frankie now in in, in Manila. I, I did, you know. I had a weird conversation with Dana White where he called me after, uh, you know, after they already said I was fighting a soon and said, "What if I was to tell you?" that we want you to fight TJ in, uh, in April instead of a Sao. And I was like, ah, man, it just that puts me in a hard spot. And I, I think I'd rather just keep my fight with a Sao. It's like the first time I've ever turned down a fight. So being at 145 and, uh, and being in, you know, I'm fighting the number one contender. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people thought Frankie uh, was, was neck and neck with Aldo, and he's been doing what it takes to be there. So... I went over Frankie. That puts me right there, and I, I'm not shying away from any fights. I feel like right now is the time for me to do super fights, and, and there's big fights out there for me. I think Frankie's one. I think Connor's one. I think Cruz is one, and uh, you know we'll see who else pops up in the mix. Frankie, is it true you were also recently offered a fight against T.J. Dillashaw? Uh, it's true. It was like kind of in the air. Um, you know, I didn't really talk to anybody. Maybe maybe uh, Ali did, but uh, it was more of like um, it was before the, the the McGregor and Fever fight. So I said I'm not making any decisions until after that fight anyway, because uh, you know obviously I was thought it was going to come down to me and McGregor, and you never know what can happen in a fight. So I kind of wanted to wait till after that fight. But uh, it seemed like they made up their mind and had uh, they already booked uh, Burrell versus, versus TJ uh, before that fight even happened. Are you still interested in making a run at 135 to potentially be a three-division champion? Of course, you're 155. you got to get 145. You're in the mix right now. But is that something you're still striving for? It's definitely in the back of my mind. You know, um, Again, you know, you just talk about your bias, uh, how he's saying it's tough to make 35, and I'm sure it'll be tough, it'll be tough for me as well. But uh, you know, first and foremost, i you know, I got to win this fight with your eye and hopefully get, get my, my title set at 45. But, um, you know, uh, that 35... Just the whole, uh, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, but 
the whole mystique of being able to hold three belts is definitely mm. intriguing. Yeah, the legacy of it all that 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 would it would bring to the table. You know, Uriah, one of the things I really love about this fight is that again, it comes. You know, I was talking to Benson about this earlier in the show. Like, we need some good news. We need things to be excited about these days in MMA because there has been a string of bad news. And I love that it's a fight that people have been dreaming about, and it kind of comes out of nowhere, and we finally get it. I also love that, at least in my mind, it celebrates two clean athletes, because I think a lot of people would be shocked if either of you were, you know, cheaters, to put it to put it frankly. Um, do you like that idea? Have you thought of that? I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has a great reputation. He's never done anything wrong, and you could say the exact same thing about you. I like that it celebrates that. Yeah, I think, you know, I can say, well, I can speak for myself only on this front, but I've never done any PEDs nor would I think of ever doing it. You know, I'm, I'm uh, 35 years old. Two days before this fight, I'll be turning 36. This will be my 40th fight in the sport, and I've never never touched a drug or even thought about it, and, and I've given most people the benefit of the doubt up until recently. Now I'm, like, skeptical about everyone. So I can speak for myself and say I, I'm representing the sport the way I think it should be, and that's clean. How do you feel about the PED problem in MMA, Frankie? Uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, I kind of got a little different take. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm not one to take them. I, you know, I'm definitely been clean myself, but I say take them. You want to let them take them. I don't care. I think I'll beat them anyway. That's wow. How I feel. You know, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm kind of saying that in the air. I mean, you know, it would be a better sport if it's clean, obviously. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's happening, though. So, uh, you know, if, if, if the statistics are true, I probably fought someone on PEDs already. And, uh, you know, I'm still here. I'm still doing okay. So I, I think those PEDs ain't going to help you in the fourth and fifth. Wow. Uh, very well That's said. Right. By the way, guys, we have, you know, there's a picture floating around. Uh, a fan took it, this guy, JoeDaddy85 on Twitter. I'll show it right here. You guys actually squared off way back when. I, I believe it was International Fight Week a couple of years ago in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Fight Shop. There's the pick right there. It's on the front page of our website right now. You're squaring off, and it's so much fun. This kind of helped fuel the fight in many ways. Uh, Uriah, do you recall this stare down, and what did you see in this man's eyes? <laughs> Uh, just a nice guy, man. He was a badass, <laughs> really. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, uh, it was good for me. I, I go back and look at that picture and kind of see he's got a couple inches on me. His arm looks a little bigger, bigger than mine. I think I was about 154 in that picture, maybe 155. How much you weigh in that picture, Frankie? Man, that was, that was right after I uh, fight at Florida 45. Maybe right on, maybe on the, on the 60 there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I I look at that picture and try to uh, hey, I'm looking for every advantage. So he, I saw another picture where he's got his uh, he's doing a stare down. So I've been I've been analyzing to see where we match up size wise. But oh, I, I've I've hit the heaviest I've ever hit is one sixty one sixty three, and I was bloated and I felt like crap. So uh, I'm I'm trying to gain some weight now, but I'm not, it's not my main concern. I'm just gonna get in there and fight. Frankie, do you do the same? Have you been analyzing that picture as well? Yeah, I checked it out. You know, it was kind of all fun when we took it, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I did. I did. You're right. It's probably going to be the first guy that I am bigger than that I fought in my career, you know. So uh, it'll be a little different being the bigger guy. But, again, I'm not that much bigger. You know, he says he walks around 58. I'm probably 160 right now myself. Are we going to see uh, shenanigans out of you guys? I'll start with you, Frankie. I mean, are we going to see press conferences, brawls, and things like that? That's what some love to see when there's a true rivalry, a super fight, all that stuff. You think we'll see any of that a la Frazier and Ali? I mean, you know, you know how I am. You know, I kind of keep it simple. Um, 
you know, again, I got no bad blow Uriah. He seems like a classy guy himself. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll keep a professional. Uh, he guaranteed that the fight's going to be entertaining. Now, you know, you don't need all that talk for it to have the entertaining fight. Uriah, you have any surprises for us leading up to the fight? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, no surprises here. <laughs> yeah, you don't seem like that type. Both of you. And I think that's what's fun about the fight. So let me ask you this final question, and I'll let you guys go. And thanks again. This has been a lot of fun for me, and I know the viewers as well. Uriah, I'll start with you. How do you beat Frankie Edgar? I think, uh, you know, you won't know until you're right in front of the guy, but I'm, I'm going to be counting on a small speed advantage. And I know that he's got great, uh, great wrestling for MMA, and mine's pretty good. I've also got great submissions for MMA, and his is pretty good. So, you know, it's an interesting matchup, man. Power, we'll see how that matches up. We'll see how uh, size matches up. We'll see who's going to do what game plan. But uh, I'm planning on being ahead and on uh, in every part of the fight, you know, whether it's uh, punching first and not getting hit or, or uh, capitalizing off the takedowns. I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to scrap. Frankie, how do you beat this man? You know, uh, again, we're both, like you said, you kind of, you know, kind of give us the stats here, and we're pretty evenly matched. So uh, I just got to be me. I just got to show up like I do every fight, and uh, as long as I fight to the best of my ability, and uh, and we'll let everything fly, I, I, I'll get that, I'll get that W. And can we just confirm from both of you, Frankie, you'll come out to Biggie, Uriah, you'll come out to Tupac. We're not screwing this up, right? Yeah, man, Biggie all day. Come on. You're from Brooklyn. You're living in Brooklyn now. I do. I, I know, but I have no favorites in this. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy I, it. I tried, to, I tried to change my song one time. Dana wouldn't let it happen. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm definitely Tupac. Yeah. Whether I, I want it or not. I doubt at this point he's going to let you change it as well. It's too perfect. Again, guys, cannot wait for it. May 16th in Manila. Some are calling it the Thrill in Manila 2. Call it whatever you want. One of the most fun fights the UFC has ever put on. And it airs live and free, by the way, which is pretty awesome on Fox Sports 1 on May 16th. It is a five-round featherweight main event. Uriah Faber versus Frankie Edgar. You cannot beat that. Frankie, Uriah, thank you so much for the time and best of luck to you guys. And you could, thanks, you could say, say whatever you want to each other right now if you have any uh, parting shots before the next time you meet. Hey, good luck in training. Hey, I'll see you May 16th. <laughs> All right, bro. I'll see you soon. All right, great stuff there. That was, that was a lot of fun. And again, you know, when I, when I uh, announced that, when I promoted that those guys would be on at the same time, people were like, well, you're, were you expecting McGregor, Cole Miller? No, I'm not. And that's what's so much fun about this matchup. Sometimes you need that stuff. Sometimes that stuff fuels the fight. DC Jones, Cole, you know me. I love that stuff more than anyone. But then when you have two guys who legitimately excite you, the thought of them fighting each other excites you, and they have nothing bad to say about each other, just because they're amazing fighters with tremendous resumes and legacies, and they're actually going to be fighting. They were in different weight classes. You know, I saw someone said, these are the kind of fights the UFC should put on more. Edgar against Faber. Well, the beauty of this fight is that they can't put it on all the time. It's special. If they did put it on all the time, it wouldn't feel that way. This is a fight that has been discussed for many years when they were both champions. Uh, it is great, and I'm so happy the UFC has finally put it together. Way more exciting than a title fight for both guys, in my opinion, next. May 16th cannot come soon enough. Exactly two, uh, no, three months from today. How about that? Okay, let's move along. Let's go to our next guest. In around oh, 11 days from now, in Los Angeles, it's going to be a very busy weekend. And kicking things off 
in LA on Friday, February 27th, will be Invicta. Of course, the following night will be UFC 184. The main event for Invicta that night will be the return of Chris Cyborg defending her Invicta featherweight title against Charmaine Tweet. Really wanted to talk to Chris Cyborg about this fight and the weekend and everything it represents. So pleasure to have her on the show right now. Chris, how are you? Hi. Good. Uh, thank you. I'm very excited for this weekend. Yes. It's actually next weekend, but I'm equally as excited. Um, and thank you for the time. What was your reaction when you were told, hey, I'm going to be fighting in the same city and same weekend as Ronda Rousey? This is no coincidence. What was your reaction? You know, I'm living in California, and I have a lot of friends here, and a lot of people uh, part of my family, and they're excited because in one day before Ronda Rousey, I, th- I think everybody wants to watch the post me and her fight because I think everybody wants me and her fight, and I think very, very smart and exciting fight me one day before her. So UFC CEO Lorenzo Fertitta told ESPN.com recently that he's interested in signing you. Is this the beginning of, of finally seeing you fight Ronda Rousey? Is, is that why they made this, this fight on the same weekend in the same city as Ronda's fight? No, I think me and UFC have the same goal. You know, I, I would like to fight Ronda Rousey. And, of course, now we try to find a way to make this fight happen. And I think that it's very excited to be semi week uh, very important for women's MMA. Nice week in her. Yeah. Will you go to Ronda's fight on Saturday night? I don't know. Maybe. You're not sure yet? You're not sure. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, I'm focused. I'm focused for my fight. You know, I'm focused for Sherman to eat. I think after that, I can think about other things. But I think my first focus now is my next fight. Right. Um, just to clear something up, you know, because there were some rumors that you actually did sign with the UFC. Who's your contract with, Invicta or Zufa? Uh, I signed with Invicta. Okay. Uh, it was with UFC together, but I signed my my weight class, and I, I think it's a nice big deal, but with Invicta, but UFC together. Okay. Um, and okay. recently... There was some talk of you going down to 135. You then got injured, and you abandoned those plans. Are you still interested in going down to 135? No, now I mean, I feel, I feel 100%. And before I come from injury, and now I have a one diet coach support me, George. And I'm very excited. You know, I think it's the same folks. I, I keep trying to work. I think I want to make this fight happen. And... I try my best, you know, and I try. I try. I will try, and it's very exciting. And I keep my same clock, you know. I, I'm more qualified champ, but if I can make for the side, why not? So you, you think it's possible, though? Because at one point you said you didn't think it's possible. Do you, do, you, do you actually think you can make the weight? You know, I believe in nothing possible, you know, because I don't know. But yeah, I try diet now, and... Before two, but before I had injury, and I try. You know, if you know, happen 135, man, we can make 145. You know, I'll make one. I don't know, but I'm excited for this fight. You know, I try my best for this fight to happen for all my fans and for me and my family. Why did you decide that your next fight will not be at 135? Because you were supposed to fight. They 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 had announced it and all that, and then you got injured, and now you're coming back at 145. Why aren't you coming back at 135? 
No, because I had injury and I, I cannot I cannot train before same and train because my injury my ankle make a big problem about this and you know I'm happy my weight class you know for Modora 35 just for making big big event big fight everybody was watch you know and I think the fans enjoy the fight and I try my best I will try. So in July, we haven't seen you fight in MMA since July of 2013, and it has been a while, but you've had some Muay Thai fights. You fought in September of 2013, and then you fought last March, and you lost that fight. You regret taking the fight, because it has been so long. I mean, you haven't tasted defeat in a very long time. Your first pro fight in MMA. Do you regret taking the fight? You know, my, my career all the time has been about this. You know, almost two years I don't fight, and you fight again. And all the time it happens is, you know, for me, normal because, man, I train every day hard. And it doesn't matter, I stay one year, no fight, two years, no fight. Because I train I train every day inside the gym, every day to inspire and like a fight. And, you know, in my last fight, Shurina Bar, you know, great fight. You know, I, I grow a lot about this fight. She's very tough girl. And I like compete. You know, it doesn't matter the MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling. Muay Thai, I like compete. I like compete. I think when you compete, you learn more. And for sure, I want to grow up my game, MMA game. And that's it. Your opponent on February 27th, Charmaine Tweet, is 6-4. and four. She's won her last two in a row, but she's 6-4. and four. She hasn't had as many fights as you and obviously not the same record. Do you feel like she's on your level? You know, I think, I mean, I never choose opponent. I always fight. So, you know, if I have somebody from fight, I will be ready. And I respect all my opponents. And I, I will do my best. You know, if she wants to fight me, I will fight her. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I never suspect nobody. I will be there. I will be ready. I keep training hard. And I hope she's training hard, too, so you can make sure big show for all my fans. So since it has been so long since you had an MMA fight, how, how are you feeling, you know, less than two weeks before it? Are you so excited, more excited than usual, anxious? Describe your emotions now that we're just a few days away, finally, since your return, uh, for your return. You know, now, you know, I think, I mean, I think it's a big opportunity for me again. And I'm very excited to defend my belt, 145, Victor. And, you know, Victor opened the door for me after everything happened in my life. And I feel I felt very blessed to fight this weekend to big promotion for women's MMA. And I feel ready, you know, I feel ready, I'm excited, I will try my the best at cage and you win or lose its consequence, but always I try my the best. The California State Athletic Commission told us recently that you had to undergo a random test and you have to do these tests in order to get licensed. Are you okay with that? Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I already did the test. You know, I don't have any problem out this. I already passed four. I did four surprise tests, and I don't have a problem out this. You know, this is for me, man. It's uh, my work, and you know, everything. Everybody makes mistake. I make one time, you know, and I already ready for for you know for finish this and keep keep growing my my my. My fight, you know, I think it is done. I know I did a mistake, but now, man, now I don't have any problem any time, anywhere. 
You know, uh, I was watching the UFC this weekend, and they're promoting your fight. You're on the website now because you're on Fight Pass and all that stuff. It's a little surreal given everything that we've been through with you and the UFC for so long. How would you describe your relationship with them now, your, 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 your team, your management team, and yourself with the UFC? You know, I think everything happened. You know, it's business. And before me and UFC, you know, have a good relationship about contracts, about to don't have, don't have my weight class. And, but nothing about personal, but just about business. And now, now you know, UFC giving me opportunities for continuing in Victor and help me grow my name. And uh, I think, you know, I think the guys want to make this fight me run around and teach to the promotion. And I think it works, you know, works. I'm very blessed to, and uh, thankful for UFC helping promote my name and the big time You know, there's a lot of talk in boxing that Manny Pacquiao will finally fight Floyd Mayweather. When you see that potentially coming to fruition, those two finally agreeing on a fight, does that give you hope that your fight will happen with Ronda? Because, of course, I'm not going to say it's going to generate the same. I mean, that's, that, that's the biggest fight in the, maybe in the history of boxing, combat sports, period. But you two have been on very far ends of the table. Do you feel like this can motivate you guys to come closer together? You know, of course, for having the fight, both have to agree. You know, both want to fight. And man, all the time I say it's just a problem about weight class. You know, if you make my weight class, the fight can happen tomorrow. You know, and... I think this fight will happen, you know. I think all fans want to watch you and if you want to make the fight and I'm ready for the fight. And but you know, I'm a fox for my next fight now. Shamitu is it's my fox now. Mm-hmm. Do you think though the fight will happen this year? What does your gut tell you? Do you think it happens finally in twenty fifteen? I don't know. It's, you know, I don't know. I, I just have to train you ready. Do you think Ronda Rousey <laughs> beats Katzengano the next night? I hope it's a great fight, and, man, I, I, I keep, keep in Ghana, I put that lead, too. You know, always I follow her career, and, man, she's a very strong woman, and I know I, I, I want to watch, you know. I think it man, it's really good hands, and, you know, he deserves to win and win. But you're not sure if she wins 100%. You're not 100% confident she wins. Who? Ronda. Who? I don't know. I think for me, anyway, Singano or Ronda Rousey, for me, I want to fight Ronda Rousey anyway. You know, it doesn't matter if lose the win. You know, throughout all this time, a lot of people ask her about you and a lot of people ask you about her. Has she ever said anything that truly offended you, that bothered you? You know, she's talked about your past. She said that you should be charged, you know, with, with negligent murder, well, all this stuff. I mean... Has anything ever been said by her that truly bothered you that you felt she crossed the line? You know, I, I, I don't care, you know. You know, everybody know me. You know, I, I like fighting side case. I never talk trash with nobody, you know. I think in her style, I think she's like talking. And she's used, you know, my mistakes for she grow up. And it doesn't bother me, you know. I think even inside the case, you can speak everything. You know, I don't have to speak anything. I think in such case you can speak everything. Do you get a lot of people coming up to you in, on the street? I want to see you fight Ronda. Like, is that is that all that people talk to you about? Like, like I'm doing right now? Yeah, of course. Everybody wants to 
just watch the big show and be a fan. I think, man, I think it's big. Brother Rosie and me can make a great event, and I think everybody wants to watch. Would you be disappointed if... Sorry. Okay, now keep going. I, I was going to say, would you be disappointed if it doesn't happen because you could probably make a lot of money from this fight? Like for your career, would it be a major disappointment if you can't get the biggest fight of your career? You know, in my career, man, I never think I lost fights. You know, I never think just about money. You know, if I just uh, talk about money, I don't, I don't know, compete to other, other, other sports like jiu-jitsu, wrestling, so make money, white tie. And I compete because I lost. You know, and the, and, the, and the money for me, it's consequence, you know, it's coming after. But for me, I love fighting. I like to go inside cage and to make what God blessed me, giving me opportunity for do. How has it been working with George Lockhart? He was on our show last week talking about you. What's it been like for you? You know, I'm, uh, George and I to work together, and he's man, a nice guy, and he's teaching me a lot of things about nutrition and about my food. Uh, I think now we're the right way, and man, I'm excited. You know, every day we work on about the good way, and I think it's this big deal and you change everything. Are, are you sticking with MMA now, or are you still interested in doing other forms of combat sports? Uh, I, 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 I would think my, my, my contract now with Invicta, I have to fight, you know, every five months. And I hope, I hope we have fight every, every month. You know, I love MMA, but I cannot stay long time, no compete. You know, I like compete, and uh, I keep it motivated for me. And, but I think this year I, I will keep just MMA because in my contract, I, especially with I have to make sure I will fight for, I think, three times per year, four times per year. Oh, wow. So you, you, you want to be, yeah. you want to come right back after this fight? Yeah. Okay. Uh, final thing. What's the prediction? We we always expect destruction when Chris Cyborg fights. Your your fights are like a tornado, like a Tasmanian devil. How do you see the fight playing out on February twenty seventh? No, it's same Cyborg. Everybody knows me. You know, I try. Yeah, I try no count at the time. You know, I try make exciting fight, and everybody knows shit about style. And you know, I try. I try my best. I try no count. And everybody would see aggressive things. You see me playing seven victory February in Los Angeles. All right, looking forward to it. Best of luck to you, Chris. Thank you so much for the time. We'll see you out in Los Angeles. Welcome. Thank you, all my fans, and see you next week. All right, there she is, the Invicta FC featherweight champion, Chris Cyborg, defends her title against Charmaine Tweed February 27th in Los Angeles the night before. UFC 184, if you're in L.A. to go watch the UFC and you're looking for something to do on Friday night, you get to watch a great Invicta card and you get to watch one of the greatest female fighters of all time in the main event. Pretty awesome that they're doing it. It's a no-brainer. I've been praising the move for the last few weeks and, uh, and hopefully it, it all comes to fruition and, and both fights go off and we get a great weekend for women's MMA. Great stuff from Chris. Appreciate her time. Let us move along. Let's go to our last guest of the day. Very excited to have him back on the show. I was uh, joking earlier that we went years without ever having Robbie Lawler on the show, and now we've had him, I think, three times in the last two months. Truly a media darling now. We're talking about the UFC welterweight champion, Ruthless Robbie Lawler. Robbie, how are you? 
Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about that? Three times in the last two, three months. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm not paying attention. I, I guess it is. You like us. You really like us. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the job and uh, <laughs> part, part of what I do, right? Yes. Well, you have some good news today. Um, I was just informed that you have signed a multi-year deal with Adidas Combat Sports. Now, this is not the deal that you had before. This is a, a much, much bigger deal. Can you explain to us why? Um, yeah, I'm happy to be with Adidas. It's awesome. Um, really, I'm going to be uh, meeting with Adidas later on uh, this week, and I'm going to get everything out through uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'll be up in New York uh, finalizing. It's it's done. It's just uh, we're going to meet up and, and take care of business and, and do like a, do something up there. But it's going to be a two-year deal, and uh, it's going to be awesome. This is a little snippet from a... A uh, press release I, I was just uh, given. It said uh, last year, Adidas Combat Sports engaged both Robbie Lawler and Luke Rockhold, who also signed a similar deal in a traditional sponsorship agreement. Due to their strong commitment, superb representation, and a resulting spike in sales, Adidas nullified the initial agreement in favor of a long-term athlete partnership deal that was reached today, today Monday. So you're saying, you know, a couple of days away kind of same difference that's a big deal i mean adidas did you ever think that you'd get i mean this this is not you know the old days of just the mma brand this is one of the most iconic brands in the world did you ever think that it would reach that point for you yeah i had no idea that uh when i started this sport uh 15 years ago that i would be getting sponsored uh by adidas the biggest one of the biggest companies in the world uh, as far as uh shoes and apparel um i mean it's just amazing uh mma has been very good to me is this all part of uh, you know being a champion? Have you noticed better, bigger things happening to you since you won the belt in December? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously we've been working with Adidas for a while, uh, ironing some things out, and I think uh, just the way I've performed the last uh, the last year has definitely been been huge for my uh, sponsorships and and whatnot. But I don't really pay much attention to that. I have a, a uh, Dave Martin does that, and. Uh, Randall Allman does that. I don't really pay much attention to that. They get the deals done and and, and kind of put them on my plate, and um, I'm happy to have those guys working for me. Now, for those that may not understand, what does this mean? Because, you know, you signed this big deal, but there's this Reebok sponsorship thing, the uniform thing, going into effect in July. So will you not be able to wear, I mean, I'm assuming not, but can you clear it up, the, the, the gear in the cage? This is just for outside of the cage stuff. Yeah, this is just for outside of the cage. Uh, Reebok has that deal with... Uh, um, the UFC, Adidas, or uh, Reebok has a deal with uh, the UFC. Adidas owns Reebok, so it's uh, I'll just be paid accordingly through uh, Reebok and uh, UFC for uh, fight week in the cage. So it uh, doesn't really affect me too much except for uh, in the cage. Since they own Reebok, Adidas owns you. Is there a chance that you may get you know a buy and be one of the few that could wear Adidas in the cage? Is that possible? Um, I would think not, but uh, any, anything's possible. Anything is possible. Yes. But uh, as far as the deal they have in place, I'm pretty sure that uh, Reebok is uh, taking over inside the cage and week of the fight. Do you feel like if that deal wasn't in place, you maybe could have gotten a bigger deal from Adidas? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really. Uh, I mean, just. It is what it is. We'll just yeah. leave it at that. 
You know, I saw you at the uh, the World MMA Awards. You you received the honor of uh, Fighter of the Year. I, I'm just wondering right off the bat, what was a bigger honor, that or being named the MMA Hours Fighter of the Year? Oh, I mean, they're both huge. Okay, they're both okay. huge. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> leave uh, it at that. Um, but <laughs> is the victory lap over? I mean, do you, I feel like you're the kind of guy who doesn't you, – you appreciate it, but, like, you kind of want to stop celebrating the last win and move on. Is Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, that's how I am. I mean, as soon as, like, three weeks away from the fight, I was like, all right, when's the next one? Let's start training for the next fight. Let's try to get better. Let's work on things. I've been doing this for a long time, and I know better than to sit back and be too impressed by what I've accomplished. It's all about getting back to work and and staying hungry and uh, training with the guys at American Top Team. That's what's going to keep me at the top. How soon did the UFC try to get you back in the cage? How soon did they? Yeah. Uh, they asked me if I could fight, and uh, my coach didn't really like it just because of uh, the hard work I put in the year before. It was like four fights in like nine months. It was just too much. I needed a rest. And right after I turned that fight down or that that date down, it was kind of like, man, my body is, is tired. So it was, it was good. My coaches look out for me, and uh, I'll be ready whenever the UFC needs me. Was the date Montreal, April 25th, or was it sooner or later? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm always, uh, the UFC's always uh, calling to see if I'm ready to fight. Um, and we won't really mention dates and, and whatnot. Okay, well, where, where do things stand now? Because, you know, Rory is looking for a fight. He was supposed to fight Hector Lombard. He was promised a title shot. Then they gave it to Johnny Hendricks. And then Hendricks fought, uh, is going to fight Matt Brown. I mean, in your regard, where do things stand right now? Do you do you have any idea who the number one contender is? No, I have no idea. I figure the UFC is going to get a hold of me in the next couple of weeks and, and uh, put something together. So, really, I've just been uh, training and uh, taking care of some things and, and spending some time with my family. It's been a pretty laid-back uh, last couple of weeks for me where I could just hang out with my family and, and train hard. So it's it's been awesome, so I'm hoping the UFC will call me uh, within the next two weeks and let, give me a date, and uh, I'll be ready. You're not getting fat, are you? Oh, no, I don't, I don't get fat. I'm always uh, on a diet, just training. Do you think Rory deserves the shot next? Do I think who? Rory McDonald deserves the next shot because his opponent, Hector Lombard, is now out. Johnny has a fight. Considering what he's done, do you think he deserves that next shot? Um... I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm indifferent. I don't really care. Whoever the UFC puts in front of me, I'll be ready to go. My coaches will get me ready for the fight. So it's not about deserves. It's about who the UFC is going to put in there, and that's who I'll get ready for. Since you beat him at UFC 167, would you prefer fighting a guy you haven't fought? No, I, it doesn't matter. He's one of the top guys. The top guys in the UFC are, are going to be ready. So the UFC will choose him. I'll be ready for either Johnny or Rory or whoever they put in front of me. Do you have a specific month you'd like to fight in? Um, I'm looking towards July now. I was, I was thinking uh, May, but um, who knows? Who knows? But I'm thinking it's going to be July, but I don't know. There was a report out of Quebec that said that you and Rory was going to happen in July. Have you heard anything about that? I have not, but I'm hoping to uh, find something out uh <laughs> Within the next two weeks or so, so I have not heard anything. Maybe I international think the bosses are busy running shows. That is true. There are a lot of shows. Would you have any problem if it is Roy? Would you have a problem fighting him in Canada? 
no, I don't have any problem uh, traveling and uh, and fighting other places. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so we wait and see now. Now you're just waiting by the phone to get the word, right? Yep, I'm just waiting and, and training and hanging out with my family. Okay, and I understand you said you're going to be in New York. You are, uh, you're signing some autographs this week, right? Uh, it's at East Coast MMA Fight Shop Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Is that correct? Yeah, I will be out there. Great. Will you be bringing the belt? No, I don't bring that thing around. Why not? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's heavy, and I don't really... I mean, I'm pretty low-key. It's just kind of... I mean, it's not something I do is bring my belt around everywhere. Your old friend Tim Sylvia used to party with that thing. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. But that's him. Everyone's different. Everyone uh, does stuff a little... Uh, but uh, how, many whatever, times, every- how many times have you taken the belt out of your house? Do you even know where the belt is right now? Yeah, it's in my closet. It's in your closet. It's, it's in not, my closet. It's not even out there for the people to see who come to your house? No. Everyone who comes to my house knows me, and they know, know what I've accomplished. I don't really need it like, out and about. I don't really have anything fight-oriented out in my house. Everything's in closets and, and tucked away. Wow. You don't have, like, a mantle for it? Are you going to put it somewhere at some point? You just haven't found a place, or that's where it belongs, in your opinion? No, I mean, it, it's, a, it's an awesome... Uh, something awesome that I've accomplished, but I don't feel like I need to see it every day. Interesting. When I'm at home, when I'm at home, I'm a, I'm a dad right. and a husband. It's, I don't feel like that's something I want at this point in time up in around my house. I respect that. Um, congratulations on the Adidas deal and good luck in your next fight. Whenever it is, uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you beforehand, but best of luck to you. Thanks for the time, Robbie. Yep, thank you very much. All right, there he is, Robbie Lawler. So both Robbie Lawler and Luke Rockhold signing new long-term deals with Adidas Combat Sports. This was the release that was just sent to me moments ago. Robbie Lawler and Luke Rockhold today signed landmark head-to-toe deals with Adidas Combat Sports, the combat sports division for training equipment, clothing for boxing, mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, judo, karate, Taekwondo, period. Lawler and Rockhold are the first athletes in history to join Adidas Combat Sports in a major long-term athlete partnership. A little more. Uh, Adidas Combat Sports two-star athletes Lawler and Rockhold will wear the iconic three stripes from head to toe. Lawler and Rockhold also will use Adidas gear in their daily training regimen including MMA competition gloves, MMA sparring gloves, heavy bags, focus mitts, training pads, wraps, and gear bags. Something that I found was very interesting um, about this, I, I read it quickly. Where is it, where is it, where is it? Uh, once again, just as an FYI, if you are in the New York area, Lawler and Rockhold will be at the East Coast MMA Fight Shop on Orchard Street in uh, Lower Manhattan, Lower East Side, from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time this Thursday. So how about that? Signing some autographs, the champ and one of the top contenders in the middleweight division. I read something interesting here about... um, This is from Scott Viscomi, the managing director of Adidas Combat Sports USA. Robbie and Luke's tremendous professionalism and dedication to Adidas Combat Sports over the last year, resulted in a tremendous jump in our quarter for 2014 sales. 
We're already a year ahead of our revenue goals. Robbie and Luke engage in the promotion of Adidas combat like they do in their own training. They have been a force in establishing Adidas in the combat sports market so quickly. We are pleased to have this deal in place as a result of the true team effort between ACS USA and Chris McGuire and his marketing team, etc. So that's interesting. Resulted in a spike. How about that? Uh, a few years ago, if I would have told you Adidas, Reebok, you know, Nike to a degree, they're kind of getting out of it now. Under Armour, a lot of big names. A lot of big names. It has evolved, the sport has, from a media perspective, from a fighting perspective, from a business perspective as well. Being on Fox, all that stuff, this is just another example that would be interesting. If the Reebok deal wasn't in place, I can understand why he didn't want to touch that what it would have meant for fighters like Luke and Robbie, but it no doubt gives them a little more credibility, I think, in the sports business world, being affiliated with those three stripes. So congratulations to them, uh, and appreciate Mr. Lawler for his time. Appreciate his time today. Thank you for stopping by. Okay, that does it for today's interviews. You know, Earlier in the show, we were talking to Chris Cyborg, Chris Cyborg, excuse me, about that Ronda Rousey fight, talking all about it. She is fighting Charmaine Tweet, but let's be honest, the fight we want to see is her versus Ronda Rousey. And our good friends at Roots of Fight hooked us up with an amazing piece of footage, footage that has never been seen until today. Stuff that will blow you away, in my opinion. When I saw it, before this show, when the good people at Roots of Fight hooked us up with this, I was, I was blown away. I was riveted. And it's not on paper. It's not something that, it, wow, like if I tell you what it is, it's not going to blow you away in that sense. But if you just watch it, it's a fascinating piece of footage. And it relates to Ronda Rousey. It also relates to the man standing next to Benson Henderson on our desk right here, the prodigy, BJ Penn. Mr. New York Rick, tell the people before we actually show them this piece of footage what the heck we're about to see. So this was never before seen um, footage of Ronda and BJ. Uh, Ronda from, Rousey, BJ Penn. Yep. Yeah. From the uh, Art of Jiu-Jitsu Academy, uh, the Mendez Brothers gym out in California. Um, they had a grappling session in May of 2013. Um, and we have some footage from it that has never been seen before. So a little less than two years ago. Ronda Rousey, May of 2013, was the champion in the UFC. She had just fought, just made her UFC debut. BJ Penn, still BJ Penn, obviously tail end of his career. But it's an amazing, it's a beautiful piece of footage. Absolutely. And Roots of Fight has it, and they've hooked us up with it. Never before seen. Exclusive for the show. Exclusive for the MMA Hour breaking piece of footage, sort of. Um, so let's show this thing. Can we show yeah, it to the people? Let's roll it out. Okay, can we go full screen with this? Full screen. I love this footage. This is fun stuff. Okay, here it goes. This is them in the... What's the name of this location again, you said? The Art of Jiu-Jitsu. Ronda wearing the blue gi. BJ in the white gi. Shaking hands. Look at this. Look at this. It's just... There's something about it. You could tell they're taking it seriously, in particular Ronda. Right? What a clean gym, too. It is very nice. All white. I've seen these pictures before. And now look at them And go. now you're seeing the footage. And now we're seeing the footage. Can you do play-by-play for us? Can you do a little jujitsu play-by-play? I don't know if I'm technical enough on that. Yes. Um, They're in the gi, of course. Look at this. Look, look, how, look how serious Ronda is taking this right now, by the way. 
I have a feeling that she takes every session like this super seriously. Do you think she's going at 10? Like, is she going out of 10 right now? That, I don't know. But, I mean, she's definitely giving her best effort here. Do you think BJ's going at a 10? No. Ooh, look at that. No? Side control? I don't no? know. You don't think BJ's? I think BJ is a pretty prideful guy. Yeah. I mean, only, only he could tell you if he's going out of 10. Do you know what these circumstances were here? Like, why were they actually in the same gym at the same time doing this? Why were they rolling? Do you have any I'm idea? Not, I'm not sure what the, the, the reason for the gathering is, but you can see the Mendez brothers there. You can see uh, Probably Ronda pretty private. Yeah, I don't think uh, many people were invited to this, hence the reason why we're the only ones who are seeing this footage for the first time. Yeah, I think this was captured on a cell phone. The, the owner of Ruta Fight, Jesse Katz, was the one who captured it, right? I don't know if this is cell phone. This is a little oh, too good to be okay, cell okay. phone. Well, you know, these days you can get HD. I love I just love Rhonda's intensity. She's so intense. Yeah, it's so intense. I kind of want her to throw right now. Like, actually throw punches, not throw him. <laughs> no, well, let's not do that. But it'd be crazy. I mean, what do you think the size difference is right there? It doesn't look like as much it's as I would have thought. Right? And I mean, that says everything about BJ Penn, right? Is Rhonda, uh, my eyes are, are horrible, but what belt does she have there? Is that black? Oh, come on. I can't see. Of course it was a black. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, that's it. It ends there. That's it. That's kind of a tease, by the way. It is a tease. In fact, it's a tease for... Yes, there's a There's a documentary, a mini documentary coming out uh, Wednesday that that is about um, BJ Penn and his quest for the black belt, when, which he, you know, he was the, one of the fastest on record. You know, there's all kinds of, th- uh, you know different people claiming to different speeds, but uh, he got his in under four years, um, you know, a legendary uh, tale. And uh, there's, a, there's a mini doc by Roots of Fight um, that's coming out on Wednesday that, that explores that and also explores him being the first non-Brazilian uh, to win a world championship at the black belt oh, level yeah. in jiu-jitsu back in uh, 2000. And now to accompany that, obviously, you know, Roots of Fight is, a, is an apparel company, is a, is a media company. So to, to accompany uh, that, documentary is the apparel line that they're launching to to pay tribute to bj penn and that accomplishment specifically that accomplishment and so i'm wearing it okay yeah, i'm rocking it yes let's see um, it. you showed this to me earlier now i'm pretty excited about this obviously everybody knows i'm the biggest bj penn fan sure. in the world and can, um, I, can i just say something before you show it yeah i wish we i wish in a way i almost wish you didn't show it to me earlier and look so everyone you knows, can react to well, it well roots of fight they don't this is not a sponsor we have no reason and you know you know how i feel about uh, MMA apparel. I mean, I'm just, it's not my style. In fact, I don't even, sp- I don't even follow Roots of Fight on Twitter. I'm well, ju- you gotta, you gotta correct that. Well, you know, it's just one of those things. But when you showed me that t-shirt, what was my reaction? You were, well, let's start with the, let's start with the hoodie. Okay, fine. The hoodie, the hoodie. Let's start with the hoodie. Yeah, the so hoodie's this, great. This is the, this is the Prodigy hoodie. This is like that NBA fashion show that happened on Thursday. Did you see I, that? I did. And my boy, J.R. Smith won it. How, how do you feel about that? Well, all of a sudden he's your boy. Yeah, you know. Was that a real rabbit on his neck? <laughs> I don't know about that. Disgusting. But, uh, so Prodigy hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Show us this the back. Is, yeah, the this back. is one of them that's coming out. Uh, lift, the, lift the hood. It says Mundial's, oh, Mundial Jiu-Jitsu World. Kind of turn, turn, turn more to the camera there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay, that's kind of the appetizer. You got the Ruka logo. The Ruka yeah, by, so that's, yeah. that's a, it's a collaboration sure, between sure. BJ's... A collabo. Uh, existing sponsor Ruka and uh, Roots of Fight and 
you know, Mundials is, is the is the ter- is the the name for um, the World uh, Championships in Jiu Jitsu. And he, as I said, in 2000, he became the first non-Brazilian to win it. Um, after I think just weeks before getting his black belt from uh, Pedaneras. Mm. Um, it was incredible. Okay. Yes. I'm getting. Oh, I got a. I got some uh, what? breaking news from Jesse Katz right here. What? It is an iPhone. It is an iPhone. I told you. I saw it from his phone. And he says they were filming that doc that I'm talking about. They were. Uh. They, they, they brought them in, and she was under 150. He was about 175. Damn. Wow. Um. Now here, here's the piece de resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, piece de resistance, by the way. It's, oh come on. It's a French word. Uh, give me a break. I'm a, you know, American from from New York. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here it comes. Look at that. Look at that shirt. Can you stand back a little bit so we can get the yeah. whole thing? Look at that shirt. Look at that piece. Is that the Green Ranger? <laughs> that, my friend, is one of the greatest of all time. That is B.J. Penn. Go, go back to go back to Rick. That is. How old is is, is B.J. there? Well, let's see. How, how old that's, is he now? He's, he's in his mid-30s. Uh, what is he, 35 now? He's probably 18, 19. Right? Yeah. It was, Cute chubby it was, face. Uh, it was 15 years ago. So he's, he's roughly 21. 20, 21. Great picture of him. I mean, incredible. Then. And, you know, him with the gold medal. And then there's what a second got? shirt that's the Prodigy shirt, it's similar, to the, similar to the hoodie. That's the front or the back? That's the oh, that's, uh, Okay, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Same as the hoodie. That shirt is pretty amazing. I mean, I don't know how... I don't know if I could pull off walking around with a fighter on my shirt. He is retired that now. That BJ a bit Penn to, shirt, though? But this is one where you're, like, kind of actually thinking about it because it just looks so cool. It but is a be, great shirt. Be on, be on the lookout for the, for the mini doc because, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty incredible to hear guys like big john mccarthy to hear guys like kenny florian so contemporaries you know people whose opinion matter in the sport boss rutin uh ronda rousey the mendez brothers they're all talking about you know what bj penn meant to jujitsu um what bj penn meant to fighting in general um how incredible uh an inspiration he was it, you know for, for a fan you? like me for why a fan like you? me why did they ask you yeah right like i'm gonna be <laughs> me kenny florian and uh big john sitting at a table talking about it one of these things, not like the other. I mean, you're on yeah. the MMA beat now. By the way, speaking of the MMA beat, why do you show up in a tie for the MMA beat? But here it looks Don't like you... Don't you dare question what I'm wearing right now. Well, I know. Because I look fresher but than the, ever. The, 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 the hair is slicked back on the beat. Here it looks like you kind of just woke up. I mean, what's the difference? And when are we going to change the Twitter avatar to reflect your current... The hair? Yes. The hair situation? Yes. When I get, when I get it to what I want... In, we don't want this right now? This, this is, is this is an intermediary stage. I'm growing it a, much longer than this. Really? Mm-hmm. The top. The top. How long are we going? Like, what are we talking? Are we talking like pro wrestler, like Hulk Hogan style? No, no, not like Hulk Hogan stringy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what are we saying? What, what are we thinking? I'm thinking like Tom Cruise, Last Samurai, like little ponytail on top. Oh, we'll, for real? We'll see, yeah, we'll see. We're going we'll, ponytail. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Can you pull off the ponytail right now? No, not enough hair. Hmm. Um. But that's your that's your goal. That's that's the end goal here. Okay. Um, but yeah, check it out. Roots of Fight. You know they make Wednesday. the best stuff. Yes. Good. Wednesday the, the mini doc is coming out. Most importantly, good Canadian people. <laughs> there you go. Good Canadian and people. It all goes together. And by the way, happy happy Family Day to all my friends in Ontario. How about that holiday? People have off today in Ontario because it's Family Day. What is the purpose yeah, of this holiday? Yeah. What is holiday? Family Day? You got to spend time with your family. 
That's great. I love it. That's a great holiday. That is Canada for you. Here we have President's Day. You, uh, you went to a, an American school. What is President's Day? What are we honoring? The president? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Not the serving presidents. Past presidents. We're just respecting them. Yes. Not one in particular. Uh, no. Well, it's a holiday, though, because it's very quiet outside. Right? Not at Vox. Not at Vox. That's true. Um, but it did seem a little quieter than usual, so I guess most people have off. Oh, Not us. What? Are you learn? Are you reading about? Yeah, I'm reading on Wikipedia. What? Didn't you go to school? Wikipedia. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay, I thought so. All right. Um, okay, great stuff there. Nice fashion show. Let us go inside the vault now. And of course, this weekend we haven't really talked about it, but this weekend the UFC is back, of course. And you know what I like about this weekend's fight? It's on a Sunday. How about that? It's another Fox Sports 1 Sunday night event. And you know what I really like about this weekend's card? The main card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And I got to tell you, and this is part of the reason why I love that Benson fight so much. These 10 p.m. fight night main card starts that are ending at like 1.30, I mean, it's tough. I'd like to see the UFC cater more to the East Coast MMA fan. And in doing so, you're also catering to the European MMA fan. I mean, a fight card ending at around like 1.30 or so, that is tough, man. It is tough, especially when it starts at, what, 7, 8? It's tough. I'm very tired, especially with some of those fights. I mean, man. Anyway, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But this weekend's card, it's a Sunday night card. It's in Porto Alegre, Rio Grande do Sul in Brazil. Uh, fight pass prelims, 5 p.m. Prelim card on Fox Sports 1 kicks off at 6 p.m. And then the main card kicks off at 8 p.m. It is headlined by Frank Mir versus Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Important fight for both of them uh, in the heavyweight division, of course. They're both coming off losses. Some, a few more losses than other others. And, you know, they, they aired that promo on Saturday about this fight. And it was interesting. It was like... The first, I, I can't remember. The first comment was about, what was the first comment? It was like, Bigfoot's still going for the title. Frank Mir, something. And then it was like Rogan talking about breaking arms and stuff. It was, it was kind of, the, the promos have been on point. That one, not so much in my opinion. But nevertheless, they're back, both of them. Bigfoot coming off the loss to Andre Olofsky. Frank Mir coming off the loss to... Alistair Overeem almost a year ago, more than a year ago. And so I wanted to go inside the vault and look back at Antonio Bigfoot Silva's greatest moment, the highlight of his career thus far. It happened almost exactly four years ago today. In fact, it was February 12, 2011, right across the river, East Rutherford, New Jersey. He defeated Fyodor Emelianenko in the first round of the Strikeforce Heavyweight Grand Prix. He gave Fyodor his second straight loss, coming off the Ferdoom loss, and this was a dominant win, a dismantling, a coming-out party for Bigfoot Silva. Even with the size advantage, a lot of people thought he would not win that fight, but it was an unbelievable performance, and it was, in fact, the second-to-last show before Strikeforce was eventually sold to Zufa. I remember seeing Scott Coker in the hallway. He was acting a little strange that night. He was wearing a trench coat, a suit, and he was just kind of looking at it from afar, almost like a father looking at his kid before he's about to go off to college. All grown up, moving out, saying goodbye. It was a very strange vibe in that arena, but the ratings were tremendous on Showtime. 
It was the beginning of this great tournament that ended while Strike Force was a part of Zufa, but it started that night in East Rutherford, and the highlight of that night was Fyodor defeating, excuse me, Bigfoot Silva defeating Fyodor. Also kind of funny to look back at that card. Sergei Haritanov knocked out Andrei Arlovsky, and a lot of people thought that was the end, and now look at Andrei Arlovsky. So never say never in the sport of MMA. So I wanted to look back at the post-fight interview with Bigfoot Silva moments after his win over Fyodor Milinenko, February 12th, 2011. Here it is inside the vault. Ariel Helwani post-fight at Strike Force in New Jersey, where Antonio Bigfoot Silva just shocked the world and defeated Fyodor Milinenko via doctor stoppage. And Antonio, a lot of people did not think you would actually defeat him. How are you feeling right now? What are the emotions going through your body? Olha, é uma emoção muito grande, porque isso foi um fruto do meu trabalho junto com o meu camp. You know, I'm, I'm very, very happy right now. This is the fruit of a lot of hard work with my camp, with all the guys that train hard with me, and I'm very, very happy. Were you surprised that the doctor stopped the fight between the second and third rounds? Yes, but when I looked at him at the other side of the ring, I saw that his eye was very swollen, and I would have caused more damage to his eye and ended up hurting him bad. Are you aware whether or not he asked for the stop to be, the, the fight to be stopped, or did the doctor say that it needed to be stopped? Certainly wasn't him. He's fought the best. He's beat the best, and he wouldn't ask to stop. It had to be the doctors. When you were dominating him in the second round, do you think the ref should have stopped the fight? You were landing some big shots on him. No, I don't think so because a good fighter has to fight in the good and the bad, and he's an excellent fighter and he knows how to fight in the, in, in the weather the storm. You said you expected to face the best fighter out there. Do you feel as though you fought the best Fedor? Olha, eu acho que sim. Fedor, ele para mim é o melhor. Ele veio no seu máximo, mas eu também treinei. Yes, I think so, but I also worked very hard. I trained very hard for this fight. And we're back. Look at that. I get I get the uh, the microphone for the first time um, after the inside the vault. So that was great. Now let's move on to uh, your questions. We'll start with the website, as always, and uh, maybe I'll just do the rest of the show solo. Um, I think after you know my heroic performance on the MMA beat, that uh, many of you would enjoy that. How come I don't hear myself? Might have uh, unplugged, but we hear you, Ariel. I stepped on the plug. You stepped on the plug. So I'm standing, I'm sitting here, and I don't hear myself. Bizarre. I stepped Unbelievable. On um, so we've been back for a few minutes. We just have? Just been talking to the people. Where have I been? You were somewhere. You couldn't, you know, when the going gets tough, where are you? Yeah. Wait, before we, before we jump into the questions, let me say this. Yes. I tweeted this yesterday. You had no response for this. Yes. Benson Henderson it? is the favorite in your basketball match. Okay, let's just talk about Benson for a second. We'll talk all about Benson. No, 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 but I have to ask you a few things before yeah. we get into the questions. Yeah. I don't know if I express my opinions, my feelings on the moment. And he was kind of poo-pooing it. Yeah, which he, I, he was not giving he, you anything back But you know that. what? That's fine. Let him. That's what the athlete, especially the current pro athlete, has to do. You can't, like, like, like Robbie was saying, you can't just sit back and smell the roses. I get it. But I just have to take you back to Saturday night, sitting there. After all the crap, you know, and I said on this show, like, look, MMA, it's not going anywhere. We still love the sport, blah, blah, blah. But another week of PED talk, Hector Lombard, all this stuff, you know, it's freezing outside. We're watching this card. It feels like it's going on and on. And let's be honest, not the greatest action. 
and we're kind of just sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and it's like, geez, man, this thing, it was like, what is, what is, this is not the UFC. This is not why I love MMA. This is not why I love sports. It felt like a chore watching that. I think anyone would agree, right? I DVR'd it, so I didn't have the same kind oh, of experience. God. You didn't watch it live? No, I was watching NBA. Oh, well, I mean, uh, even, uh, I think, I think the particularly yeah, bad it, stuff happened after the NBA. I think I started with, uh, the Kelly fight. I think that's when I, yeah. I think that's when it, the NBA ended, but you know, for me, it didn't drag, you know, that's a different experience cause you can fast forward through everything with the DVR. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got that sense from Twitter that people were feeling the same way you were. So it's just going on and on and on. And I don't want to pour it on anyone. If you saw the card, you know what I'm talking about. And then this fight comes out of nowhere, and you got the sentiment. I mean, this, the feeling on Friday after the weigh-ins happened, <laughs> you know, everyone was like, poor Benson Henderson. The guy's going to get murdered. He's going to get slaughtered, right? That was the feeling. It was like, whoa. I was getting texts about it. What is this guy thinking? This is career suicide. He's lost two in a row. This is a bad idea. All this stuff. And then the fight starts. He comes out second. He's as confident as ever. And... The fight starts, and it's an aggressive Brandon Thatch out there. He hasn't missed a beat, and you're almost waiting. You're like, I'm watching it with one eye closed. I'm like, this guy, is, he's going to get his ass kicked. This is not a fair fight. There's a huge size advantage. It didn't look as big as Friday, but it still was big. And, you know, he's kind of getting thrown around like we've never seen him get thrown around before. And then come the third round, you're starting to think like, holy moly, this guy might, you know, he, he, gets, he gets his back, almost submits him. Credit to Brandon Thatch, he gets out. And then, of course, fourth round after that amazing takedown. That takedown was a thing of beauty. I think I rewound it and watched it five times afterward. It was just perfect. It was, it, it, and then he submits him. Like, honestly, I, start, I really started to get emotional. It reminded me about the beginning of the UFC, David versus Goliath, about the human spirit. I loved what he said afterwards. I love the story now about the kids that he just told us on the show. To me, it always felt like Benson Henderson didn't get the respect that he deserved as champion because he was always getting these close decisions and people didn't think that he was truly worthy of the belt. And, you know, even afterwards, I mean, people were kind of indifferent, you know, the religion stuff, all that. Now Benson Henderson has a special place in everyone's hearts. I, I haven't seen anyone. And there's a few naysayers that are like, ah, relax. It's not a big deal. We always want to call everything the best. But remember, it's the timing. It's when this fight happened. And isn't it funny that after an amazing January, a somewhat historic January for the UFC, it's this fight card that everyone was kind of overlooking. You know, everyone was kind of down on it. It went through so many changes. It's this fight card, this fight, that captures our imagination, that reminds us, at least me, why we love the sport so much. And I told a friend of mine who knew what happened, who had already seen the result, this is one of my favorite fights ever because of what it represents. He, he went and watched it and he came back and he's like, man, that wasn't that great. And I understood why he said that. If you know what happens, it's not that great. But the best fights are those fights, the Gustafson Jones fights. When you're sitting there thinking it's a foregone conclusion that something's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, before your eyes, things are going completely different. Things, the, the script has been completely flipped, and it's happening slowly, gradually. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing this guy dig down deep like he's never dug down before. He's going to a whole other place. He's hulking up. He's doing all this stuff that you never thought was possible five minutes prior. It's an amazing thing to watch in real time. And I just loved everything about it. I loved what he said afterwards. It was, it was a thing of beauty. And it wasn't just about MMA, honestly. Like you said to me before the show, it was about really sports and the human spirit. I, I implore anyone who hasn't seen the fight, even if you're a casual fan, whatever, you must watch that fight. You must watch that fight. That is the beauty of sport, of human beings, 
in a nutshell, in a 20-minute period. And I, I don't feel like I'm overstating it. I don't feel like I'm making it out to be a bigger deal than it is. I really, truly believe that. I, I don't feel the exact same way in, in terms of the implication for what it means for the sport and how important it is, you know, um, at, at, in this time. But it does, for, in terms of what it, how it made me feel about Benson Henderson, um, it kicked me off the fence. For the longest time, I've just been pretty much indifferent to Benson Henderson. Um, I didn't have, you know, good or necessarily bad feelings one way or the other. Super talented fighter, super well-rounded fighter. But I d there was nothing that sparked me one way or the other to like, dislike, anything like that. But I am completely in camp Benson Henderson uh, after that fight. Because, because he brought back the feelings of BJ Penn that, that made me a fan of BJ Penn. Yeah. The guy who would take a fight against guys who, you know, are clearly bigger than him. Now, Brandon Thatch is a big welterweight. There's not going to be that big a discrepancy between him and, and most of the other guys he faces in that division. But he is a slender, he is a slender guy. And he will be outsized at 170. Not, not in the, the stark contrast that we saw in this fight, because, as I said, Thatch is quite a big boy. Um, but uh, he's going to be outsized, and he's got the heart of, of a champion, even though he's not the champion currently. He has that, he has that spirit. He has that desire. Um, and I was, super, I was incredibly impressed. It was on a smaller scale, but I think that win meant more to Benson's career and legacy than any of his title wins. And I think that, you know, just based on my brief interactions with people online yesterday, I think a lot of people would agree. I think a lot of people view him in a different light. It's, him him it's choking him out in the fourth round was a perfect ending. But I think even if he had lost and fought as valiantly sure. as he did, I think it would have. But this is way better. Oh, well, he wouldn't. He's not on a losing streak. Um, yeah, yeah, but the story's better. I mean, the win oh, the is... Story, yeah. It's the perfect ending. But even if he had lost this fight, I think there would have been the recognition that Benson Henderson is, is a special kind of guy. Um, and don't and get me wrong. Just, no one's going to talk about this in the same breath as Bonner Griffin. Like, this yeah. will not change the UFC's fortune, fortunes. But for me, just in this moment, mm -hmm. on that night, cold February, you know, kind of a... Uh, whatever card with the result. You know, there were some moments, whatever. It's just something about it. I was kind of bummed about the dunk competition. I was sick of seeing all these guys freaking miss the dunks. I mean, what the hell is going on? Yeah, Zach Levine's great and all, but that's a whole other discussion for a different day. It was just pissing me off. And that just came at the perfect time. It was, it was great. It just lifted my spirits. I agree with you, but now enough fawning over your future opponent because you have to prepare to face this man. I know, I know. It's tough. You now can't, I like, you can't, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, you can't it's be weird. rooting for him. And but it, as did say I said, a lot, it did say a lot about the fight, I, the game. I agree with you. It's like yeah, the, how he deals with yeah. adversity and how he deals with a height difference. It's not looking good for you. Yeah, Benson's Benson's the favorite right now. Well, we'll see. You know, hopefully he. Uh, <laughs> Let's see what you've got. That's well, the qu we've seen what Benson yeah, can do when true. he digs deep. Now it's your turn. Well, hopefully he starts buying some of his own hype. You know, like, <laughs> like, like smelling those roses that I'm trying. That's I was trying to play possum there. I was like actually trying to build build his ego. Up, yeah. Yes, I was trying to get him to start. You know, believing in himself a little bit more and, and thinking his shit don't sting. Well, let's see. Let's see if it worked. Uh, on to the questions. I'm, I'm excited about that international fight week. Yes, let's make it happen. Come on. What are we waiting for? First question. All-time best five-round fighters. Did Benson Henderson confirm to everyone that he is the best five-round fighter in the history of MMA with George St. Pierre? Can you name a top five best five-round fighters? Mine. I found this interesting. Okay. Um, a few that come to mind. Five-round fighters. Well, George, obviously. Yep. I mean, you have to give it to Anderson Silva. He wants some five-round fights, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. 
Okay, okay, okay. So you, you there's you, a few that. By the way, do you I'm, have your five? I don't have I don't have my like five ranked, but I, there's some that come to mind immediately. Okay, okay. Uh, Jose Aldo. He wasn't one, but sure. That's that's one, right? It's got to be one. Um, uh, there's there's some that come to mind more readily for me. Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar for sure. Jose Aldo beat Frankie Edgar in a five round fight. Okay, that's fine, but um, does Demetrius come to mind? No. I think people think of Demetrius as a five-round fighter, but he finishes a lot these days. Um, I was thinking of uh, one John Jones. Now he was a yeah, finisher, course, but as a course. champion, yeah, you're right. He's one of the he's one of the guys that comes on hard in the fifth round. He's one of those guys that is never quitting, um, and he's not known for stopping power or, or submissions. Yes, he's sneaky with those, but most of the most of the time these days, he's just essentially assaulting guys for five rounds. Um, That's the five right there. But what, what you'll see is that a lot of these guys are the best in the sport. You know, we typically think sure. of the finishers as the guys who are the, the best. You know, a finish is better than a decision. But the names we listed, it would be hard to argue that those are not some of the best pound-for-pound pound guys right now and ever. Yeah, it's true. I mean, most of the guys who are fighting in five-round fights are either champions or were champions. You know what I mean? Because the five-round yeah, thing is... But I'm talking pound-for-pound. Pound. Yeah, like, yeah, these yeah. guys are... Not just somebody who held the belt. These are. But who's a, who's a champion who's not in the pound for pound discussion? Uh, well, no, but all time. Yeah, so yeah. you know, yeah, a guy right. like an Anthony Pettis. He's a finisher, um, absolute finisher. I wouldn't say he's he's in that discussion in terms of all time legacy yet. Certainly, he he belongs in that discussion uh, in the current pound for pound rankings. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's he's approached that territory where he can be discussed in the all time rankings. I think he hasn't fought enough, but I, I get your point. I don't think of him as a guy who's, ooh, he's going to go the distance, and that's a credit to him. He's, oh, he's, he's one of the best finishers ever. Right, that, that's a credit to him. But, yeah, it's, it's a good discussion for sure. It's just interesting. Um, anyway, Toothpick Gate. Mm. I've, I have very strong uh, feelings on this. How much of an issue is it that Benson Henderson is able to enter the octagon with a toothpick in his mouth? As cool as it makes him look, I can't help but feel a bit sick. When I think about the possible consequences of this, given the fact that he has been known to do this in the past, should commissions be taking a more active role in ensuring his safety by preventing this? All right. You have strong opinions. Let's hear it. It makes me physically almost ill. I, 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 get, I get anxiety with the thought of him having that toothpick in his mouth. And when he brandishes it after the fight, it makes it, I, I almost want to get into the fetal position because it, makes, it gives me so much anxiety. So, obviously, you think that it should be banned. I'd, I, it doesn't really matter to me competition-wise, but just it, it evokes that well, feeling from yeah, me. Yeah, but if because, you feel that strongly about it, you don't want to see it happen. So well, if I don't want to see power, anything happen to Benson. I'm not so, I, I don't honestly think there's much of a concern that something bad is going to happen to anybody else, like it's going to come out and poke yeah. somebody in the eye or anything like that. But I don't want Benson to get hurt with a toothpick in his mouth. And let's say somebody puts on a choke and he goes to sleep. What happens with Which that toothpick? Kind of what he was just talking about. Yeah, and and who knows? I mean, you stick it out. He seems to not really do it consciously. So what if he sticks it out for a second and it pokes someone? It could happen. I'm not, uh, it could, but I'm not so much worried about that. It it more makes me nervous. Like I couldn't imagine doing that. It 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 seems impossible to me. But then again, I mean, you know, here's I'm how I feel about Henderson. it. In the moment, you're like, holy shit, this guy is a real. G, as the king, as the kids say, like this guy is a gangster. What this guy is doing? All this, he's getting punched in the face. 
Forget if it's, I mean, if it's the most boring, um, mundane, lack of action fight in the history of fighting. The fact that you're actually entering a cage with a toothpick in your mouth. And the fact that you're able to actually just, I don't even care if you're in the fight now. I don't know how he does it. Like, are these special toothpicks that can wrap your gums? Or are these, <laughs> how do you make it stick in there and not stick out? I don't think I could pull that off, honestly. Oh, yeah, without I, being incredibly uncomfortable. I'm sure it's just years of practice. If you watch them put on the Vaseline and check his, his mouthpiece and all that before the fight, after the fact, knowing that there is a, 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 a toothpick in there, unless they're giving it to him between rounds, which I doubt, it's kind of a mind-blowing thing. It's like you can't find any trace of it whatsoever. It's incredible. So I feel uncomfortable as well. In the moment, I'm like, wow, this just, you know, this is, this is the stuff, you know, fairy tales, legends are made of, yeah. myths are made of. But I do think for everyone's benefit, it's probably in their best interest not well, to let him. They, we've seen it from him before. They, they, they need to be on the lookout for I love it. the way he just pops it out there. Yeah, like, look. oh, you were impressed with that? How about the fact that I have this in my mouth? Pops <laughs> it out and then puts it back in. Uh, the commission needs to be aware yeah. of this. They need to just look for it. Benson, just say, open, open your mouth. Your mouth. Yeah. we got to check for your mouthpiece, and we got to check for a toothpick. Um, I mean, you know, the, the idea of him being tougher or cooler is there. But, I mean, you know, let's say a guy walked in there without a cup. It'd be cool. It'd be like, oh, this guy really doesn't care. He's a bad mofo. But we don't want a guy in there without a cup. It's, it, it, it's akin to that for me. Um, you're, it sh- you're super tough, but, you know, we just got to curb that. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. It's, just, it's like, just say open your mouth. I hate to poo-poo on his parade, but it's just, it's too much. It's too much. Uh. Our next question, Benson Henderson moving up. It seems with all the talks of killing the body with devastating weight cuts uh, was helping to bring down the mood in our MMA world. Yes, but then that we get too. I didn't even talk like about Machida that. Machida and point. Benson, yeah. who have found new life in their new respective division. Lyoto, going down to middleweight, has shed him of his non-functioning body fat, as Mike Dolce would say, and became the Shredded Ninja. <laughs> That's in caps, so that could be his nickname. Shredded Ninja, who is at the cusp of a title shot. Benson, uh, now going up on short notice, looked noticeably healthier with the added weight. He no longer looked drained. Bendo, in my opinion, benefited in the weight boost, not only in speed, but in chin strength. He was hydrated and fast. All that being said, who are some few fi- some of the few fighters that uh, you and I both believe uh, can truly benefit from changing weight classes? Ooh. Um, hmm. See, the thing is, a lot of them are going to face these size problems because not everyone is playing by these rules. Not everyone... There are still a lot of people who are going to deplete their bodies and, and fight to get all the way down. That was another thing, by the way. I mean, there are a few people, I think three, two, was it three or two on Friday, Miss Wade. Also, you had Nick Lentz pulling out. I mean, it's just a string of bad news, and it's become a lot more commonplace, it seems, these days. And I'm happy that the UFC is, it appears, I, I saw a post-fight interview with Dana White on Saturday where he said this is unacceptable, and they'll hopefully start cracking the whip on it. Um who, who would benefit? I, I think this is a hard question because most of the guys are in a, the right, right weight class or a weight class that they're at least, you know, pretty good at or, or competent at. Um, in, unless you have, like, a guy like a John Lineker, who I don't think would benefit from going up. No, I don't. Um, Gas them, too. They're just not doing it the right yeah, way. Yeah, they're just not properly cutting. So I don't, it's a hard question because it comes down to guys like that who miss weight. Like, Rumble Johnson. Clearly, that was a mistake him going down to 170. He should have been at a higher weight class. We all thought it was middleweight, but it turned out to be light heavyweight. Sure. 
Um, but I don't think we have examples like that right now. I think there are guys who could be successful, like a Benson Henderson, who's so well-rounded and, and uh, so tough that at a higher weight class, he can still be pretty capable. I think George St. Pierre could be fine at 185 as well. Um, I think... You think so? I, I think he'd be too small for 185. Yeah, but you would say that about Benson, too. Yeah, well, I, honestly, I, I don't think it's in his best interest. I mean, there's Brandon Thatch, and then there's Chris Weidman. I don't think it would be in his best interest. Uh, excuse me, Chris Weidman. Uh, Robbie Lawler or Johnny Hendricks, these guys. I don't I mean, think those guys are going to be that much bigger than Benson on come fight night. Now, certainly, as I said before, he will be smaller. But Brandon Thatch is an extreme case. I don't think Benson's going to be that much smaller than a Robbie Lawler. Hmm. Especially if... Now, let's Thatch say, he, a big let's guy. say he, com- he commits himself to 170. Instead of having to gain weight... He's starting with a, you know, at that 170 base instead of the 155 base. This was on two weeks' notice. So if he, if he was, you know, preparing for fights at 170, I'm sure he'd bulk up a little bit, um, cut down, and uh, I think he'd be fine at 170. I think he will be fine at 170. I think this was the ballsy one. This was the one where he's a 155-er. He's coming up to 170 for, for a fight with a guy who's huge. Um, this one took some watermelons. But... I don't think I don't think he's going to be that small at 170 to the point where we're like, oh my god. He will be the smaller man, but I don't think it'll be that startling. I love to hear him say that it was such a pleasure. You know, fight week was a pleasure. Yeah. And be, and so so hopefully other people. I people's... don't see it. I don't see that. I don't see that maintaining because at a certain. Yeah. You know, once you're in that weight class, now you're thinking, okay, let me get bigger, cut down, have an advantage. It's just the same old thing with MMA. Once he's in this weight class, now he's still going to be cutting. I have a feeling. I don't Although think he's, he's not. Be- he's not BJ Penn in the sense that he doesn't. You know, you see him at a fight. He looks pretty much the exact same. Like he's not a guy. He's no. always in the gym. He's no. not getting fat. All that stuff. But I think he'll try and bulk up. Is what I'm saying. Sure, sure. Um, but you know. So anyway, back to the question. I mean, I don't really. Think Who are some guys? It's hard for me to think of any. But it would be top. nice if things changed, where guys felt like or females felt like they they didn't have to I, I deplete themselves and also maybe if there was a rule the next day first off from a broadcast perspective i'd love to see what these guys weigh in on fight night like they do in have, in boxing have you heard a suitable solution because i haven't well i kind of like the idea that has been brought up in some states very few i believe north carolina is one of them where there is a limit on how much you can add you know 12 or so hours later. So fight day, fight morning, you have to weigh in and you can't add like 5% more than what yep. you, you know, you weigh in. Uh, I like something like that. I mean, I think that would, I like that best. Yeah. But you know, first of all, the, the, the same day weigh in thing where it, that was the only way in, that's a terrible idea because people are just going to kill themselves um, on fight day, the same way they're doing it now to make weight. This one where it's a percentage of weigh in to fight day, I like it, but I have a feeling there's going to be people who are cutting after they weigh in, um, just doing another weight cut to make sure that they get within the 5% or the 10%, whatever it is. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a way to completely get rid of it, which is unfortunate, these these drastic weight cuts. But hopefully... Yeah, hopefully somebody comes up with you know, some th- solution. This was a topic that we were going to talk about on the MMA Beat last week, but we never got to it. Um, you know, I'll throw it out right now. Give me a quick answer. Bigger problem in MMA today: PDs or bad weight cutting? Uh, more dangerous is PDs. Uh, Maybe not though. But more, yes, continue. More prevalent is is weight cutting. 
Interesting. I actually would have gone the opposite. I would have said more prevalent PD is more dangerous, bad weight cutting. I disagree because PDs, you know, these guys are able to train harder, make themselves a, you know, a more effective and, and more potent fighting uh, machine. And then they're going into the cage with somebody who may not have that advantage or maybe does as well. But either way, then you're just having two souped up Sockham, Rockham Sockham robots. Um, it's, it's affecting your long-term health. It's affecting your opponent's long-term health. The PEDs thing is just bad news for everybody's health altogether. Um, the weight cutting thing is, to be honest, you're only hurting yourself. Um, and sometimes you're not hurting yourself. There's people who have gotten weight cut down to a science and do it properly and, and are able to balance their diet and, and balance uh, you know, how much water they can drain out and do it, do it in a relative relatively compared to others safe manner um and you're only affecting yourself you're not affecting your opponent by doing this hmm. um now there there may be arguments to say that peds don't really you know that the idea that now some guy who's uh juiced up is going to get in the cage and kill the opponent because he's all roided out you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't assume that either but what i'm saying is that these guys can stay healthy continue to train overtrain. um and just hurt themselves, and then also when they step in the cage, they're more potent than they would have been. It just, it's, it's just, it's a bad situation for both guys when when somebody's on PEDs. Whereas weight cutting, I think uh, it, it's a one way street. It's just you hurting yourself or not hurting yourself if you do it in, in a in a safer way. Um, but it's more prevalent because everybody cuts. Not everybody uses PEDs, but everybody cuts. Mm. They, you'd be hard, you know. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't cut any weight for a fight. Um, um, there, there, there are people out there, especially guys uh, and girls who are fighting in a weight class up on short notice or whatever the case may be. But I, I can't think of a fighter who's not really cutting weight on uh, fight night. All right, it's a good debate. I mean, it's a depressing debate, but it's an interesting topic. Let us move along. Brandon Thatch, do you think he can still be a top 10 fighter in the welterweight division? And who should he be matched up with next? I'm still a big fan of his style despite his loss and think it will make him a better fighter in the long run. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to give up on Brandon Thatch. I actually thought he looked pretty good early on. Remember, he hadn't fought since November of 2013. He's not used to going into the later rounds. has only done it before once. I mean, he, he, he always finishes his fights in the first round. Um, except for once. So this was this was pretty new to him. And, you know, I don't know how much stock I'm going to put in the altitude thing because he does train there. But it did seem like he was huffing and puffing. Maybe it was the delay or the, the, the time off. Maybe it was just what Benson was doing to him. I mean, he's a very tough fighter. But absolutely, these are the kind of fights that every fighter experiences. And you often look at these fights as the turning point. How many guys who is, you know, look at it. I mean, every guy is going to lose at some point and they might lose, you know, as they're climbing and you say, oh, a lot of people say, oh, that does it for him. And then he comes back and wins five in a row. I mean, look at Max Holloway, what he's doing. And, 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 you know, he lost early on in his UFC career. In fact, he lost twice early on in his UFC career. Guys will rebound all the time. That's why I love this sport. Another reason why there's not as much stock put into the losses um, as, in boxing. I, I think that's, that's, that's very true. Just look at some of the best and how many losses they have on the record. So I have no doubt Thatch is a supremely talented fighter, um, a very dangerous fighter, a, a very aggressive fighter. I love the way he fights. It's a lot of fun watching him. I have no doubt that he will be back in quote unquote, the mix relatively soon. Yeah. I mean, and also 
I doubt it was the elevation just because, you know, that's that's his home. But um, the, the game plan from Benson was to have Thatch chase him around the cage, and he was doing a lot of that. It wasn't... It wasn't, you know, cutting corners. It wasn't. It wasn't trying to cut off. He was chasing Benson, um, and Benson was able to circle out once he got to him. So that expends a lot of energy. And this, and he himself said he wished he took, you know, a little bit of power off some of the things he was throwing, uh, because he was looking for a kill shot, and that might not have necessarily been the best thing to to save his cardio. Um, he'll be back. He'll absolutely be back. I he, love that it ended with a rear naked choke. It, it, Everything about it felt like old school UFC. It's you know, great. The smaller guy getting the big giant down and submitting him, and just the way he submitted. I mean, there's in MMA, in my opinion, you'd be hard pressed to find a more beautiful scene than the rear naked choke when 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 the figure four body lock is in and the guy's back. I mean, BJ did it so brilliantly all those years. You know, Pulver, yeah. um, Joe Stevenson, those fights. I mean, and 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 the the back is stretched out. It's a beautiful thing. Benson well, does it very well. Don't as well. forget the blood lick at the end. That's well, the that's most just a, on part. a whole other level. But that's the that's the key. It's a right fun there. thing to see uh, unfold in front of your eyes, and it was a great way to end that fight. Now, this is an important one. What are your thoughts on the impressive streak of Neil Magny? Hmm. Has he finally done enough to earn a shot at a ranked opponent? Who would make sense for him next? Maybe Alves or Story. So I said on Saturday night that I think Rick Story makes a lot of sense. Um, Here's one thing I'll say about Neil Magny. He is on a great streak. He has won six in a row, and it was nice to see some killer instinct there. It was nice to see a finish, um, especially a submission, in his home state. I believe he is from Colorado. Actually, he's originally from Brooklyn, but he trains um, trains with a team in Colorado. So a lot of his wins have come against guys who are, you know, on the the opposite half of of, of the – the welterweight division, but still, to win six in a row, I love the fact that the UFC stuck with him. I remember I was there uh, for both of his losses, when he lost to Sergio Moraes in, in Rio at UFC 163, when he lost to Seth Bozinski at the Fight for the Troops show in uh, November of 2013. I was there, and you know, back then, the UFC was a little trigger-happy, and I love that they stuck with him and allowed him to build himself up, kind of like the David Branch situation. You know, Branch lost a couple in a row, they got rid of him. Now look at how he's doing. So it's nice to see them stick with a guy, and you know, he, he comes back, and he's able to go on a run, all that stuff. I wish, I mean, and again, this is something that we talk about all the time, like, there are some fighters, if they were on this kind of streak, turning things around, you know, tying the record for most wins in a calendar year outside of the tournament era. Guys would be on the mic calling for top 10, top five. Like, he just kind of seems so indifferent to it all. You know, it's hard to get behind him as a fan. You know, you see him on the mic, and he's just not really, like... And I'm not talking about, like, trash-talking, Conor McGregor stuff. Just say something, you know? Like, get something out there. Just get people behind you, you know? And they give him a lot of opportunities, and I've interviewed him after fights great guy i mean he seems like a very nice humble guy i mean everything that's right about martial arts but this is your opportunity man you've won six in a row let the people know don't even say a name say you want you know you're ready for the top 10 i want i'm coming i i i paid my dues i've beaten these guys hey something you know and it just seems like it's all this sort of i don't know humility or indifference i don't know what it is but it nice to it'd be nice to see him capitalize on that winning streak and I can understand if the UFC didn't reward people who did that, but they do reward you if you do that. So go out and do it. Someone needs to be telling him that. So that's my, my only gripe there. But he's looked great. 
I'd like to see him fight a Rick Story. I think a Rick Story fight would be the perfect test coming off that great win over Gunnar Nelson. We'll really see where he's at. I'm not calling Rick a gatekeeper by any means, but I think that's that's a very fun fight for him. I think that's the right kind of test. So that would that would be the one I'm looking at. Fighter of the year candidate, Neil Magny. I mean, he certainly deserves the the credit and the attention. I don't think, you know, he's not beating guys at, you know, the level of a Robbie Lawler or, you know, other fighter of the year winners, but that was a great year. I mean, he tied Roger Huerta for the for the record. I mean, that deserves to be to be applauded and he, he continues to win. But now let's see how he does against ranked guys. None of those guys were ranked. You know, that that's a big difference. You can't just overlook that. Of course. Tough fighters. You know, tough fighters. He had some nice wins, some nice finishes. You know, the Garcia fight was a close one, but he had some nice wins. Um, but now let's see, you know, now let's see how he does. Speaking of Max Holloway, you mentioned him earlier. We saw Holloway pick up another great win uh, on the weekend and immediately turn his attentions to the pre-agreed match with Cub Swanson. If Max were to win this one, a big if, I know, how far do you think he'd be away from getting a title shot against Aldo or McGregor? Do you think his chances would improve or reduce depending on who was champ, considering that McGregor beat him on the way up? Max Holloway is like that classic UFC fighter who takes... Um, who takes a fight on short notice just to get into the UFC, just to get his foot in the door. And remember, he fought Dustin Poirier in 2012. He was what? 2012, he was born in 91. That was, what, three years ago? So he was 19 years old? No, 20 years old. 20 years old making his UFC debut. Takes a fight against Dustin Poirier on short notice as you know, a 4-0 youngster. Not a lot of people know who he is. He gets submitted. A great submission, but I mean, it happened pretty pretty early in the fight and then he starts to you know gain some confidence and momentum and it was clear that you know he wasn't quite ready for that fight i know he did lose those two fights in the ufc you know the bermuda's fight was close as well if memory serves me correct and uh the connor fight you know has been much talked about but i love the fact that the more he wins and looks good hopefully and this is uh, i'm gonna get back to max in a second but that might at the end of the day become connor's most impressive win to beat him via decision with a torn ACL. I know he went the distance, but still, you know, like we've said before, all of Connor's wins are still in the UFC and still relevant and none more so than Max Holloway right now. Um, I don't know. You know, it's hard to say right now. He's still super young. He's 23 years old, but he is great, man. He's, he's a fun fighter to watch. That is a big test, though. That is a really big test. By the way, that New Jersey card is great. It's, we have a question about just that card. Okay, later. okay, okay. Um, it's, it's, it's a really good card. So uh, I like this matchup. I kind of like the, the old guard versus the, the new kid on the block. Uh, this is great matchmaking. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think Sean Shelby has been really putting on some great fights. You know, I, I really think he's... There aren't that many matchmakers out there. But it'd be nice if he got a little more... It, it seems like people are always quick to just say, Joe Silva, and he deserves a lot of credit too. He has a lot of work. You know, on his on on his resume, a lot of great fights, all that stuff. He's got a lot to deal with, but Sean is putting together some great fights, and I love these kind of matchups. So this is a this is a fun one at 145. Here we have somebody questioning the card order. Why was Daniel Kelly versus Pat Walsh on the main card? You know, that's not a question for me. Um, I will say this: I, I I I do believe, and I welcome anyone to correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe Joe Silva has final say on the bout order as far as the two matchmakers are concerned. I mean, of course, at the end of the day, if, you know, Dana White, Lorenzo Fertitta, Frank Fertitta want a certain fight in a certain slot, they have final say. But as far as, like, you know, these smaller shows, Joe Silva, he's been around there, you know, in the UFC longer. It makes sense. 
sometimes it feels like, you know, these, these flyweight fights, these Mikowski. women's bantamweight fights are, are a little lower than the big boy fights. And, you know, how many times have we complained about fight card placement and it, it turns out that, you know, the ones that they put on the main card ended up being more entertain- entertaining. In this case, that was not the case. Uh, Mikowski Elliott should have been on the main card. We all thought that going into it. Those feelings were confirmed afterwards. That was very much a main card fight card. A fight, especially on a card like this one. It was important for the flyweight division. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was certainly a mistake to put that fight on that card. Period. Not even main card. Period. Just making that fight was a mistake. This person asks, uh, they asked last week, uh, prior to the Marlon Moraes fight, about the possibility of him coming into the UFC and getting mm-hmm. a title shot in the depleted bantamweight division after Dillashaw versus Burrell 2. Uh, he's asking again, what's next for Moraes, and what did you think of his victory over Josh Hill on Thursday? Did you see this fight? Of course. I don't know. Uh, you know, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is Marlon Moraes the classic case of one of these guys who's winning outside of the UFC, but if he ever got in the UFC, would not be as highly regarded as he is right now? It depends on what you mean by highly regarded. I think he would be in the discussion as a top guy. Yes. I don't think he would be a championship uh, level fighter. Hmm. Um, And I think the same for uh, Justin Gaethje. I think those guys are both able... You could port them over to the UFC right now and they would not have a problem. It's just, We had this discussion when the WEC was coming in. Mm. Um, were these guys going to you know, be able to hang? And they've passed with flying colors. WEC has, has yes. killed it. Yes. Um, we had the same discussion when Strikeforce guys came in. Can they hang? Can these guys who are coming over from Strikeforce hang? They absolutely can hang. Um, these guys are in the title uh, picture or fighting for the title. Do I think Marlon Moraes and Justin Gaethje and some of the other guys uh, at, at WSOF could come over and compete in the UFC and do reasonably well? I do. I really do. Um, but I don't know if they'd be able to capture the title. But would, I, w- would it be the most shocking thing in the world? Nope. Not at all. Super talented fighter. Um, showed his resiliency in this fight. It wasn't going his way. Do you think he's top 10? I'd have to look at the rankings. Uh, do you have them in front of you, or can you pull them up quick? The UFC rankings? Like, yeah. if he fought in the UFC, and again, you know, I just go to these because these are the ones that are referenced on the broadcast, but the number 10 ranked, I'll give you 10 through 5, okay? Because we're yeah. not going to say he's top 5. 10, Caraway, 9, Eduardo, 8, Alcantara, 7, Mizugaki, 6, Wineland. He's, he's competing with all those guys. Easy. Yeah. If yeah. not beating them I'd, I'd outright. Say so. I'd say so. But then you got, you know, TJ, Barrow, well, Cruz, the, this Faber. Is the, this is the question. But I don't, think it's, I don't think it's something I can answer definitively. I'd have sure. to see those ones. But I think he, you could port him over instantly. Not, not, not even a question. He is, he is very talented. And as, as I was just saying, you know, this was not a fight that was as easy as his, as his previous fights. He faced some adversity and passed with flying colors. I think he's incredible. Yeah, I think a lot of people are actually overlooking Josh Hill. A tough guy, undefeated. I know he lost on the Ultimate Fighter, but officially he was undefeated. A tough guy, you know, he was fighting in Canada, all that stuff. It was a tough fight for Marais. Um Yeah, you know, I, 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 I still feel like he's one of those guys where I, I can't quite say how good he would be in the UFC because he's not fighting UFC-level competition. Certainly he deserves to be in the UFC. I mean, I think there's no question about that. But 
how far would he go? I, you, I wouldn't put him in the top five. You can take an account of a guy's skills, though. Yeah. I thought coming from Strikeforce, Daniel Cormier was going to be amazing. I thought Jockery was going to be amazing. Luke Rockhold, these guys. And they, you know, you can see, you can see that in them, um, in, in their in their you know level of skills and, and their technique and things like that it's not it's not all just you know looking at the the fight finder or the wikipedia and saying he beat this guy who's not ufc sure, level sure. or didn't beat this guy there there's you know there's subjective things that you can then you can uh take from it that other than just you know what's on the paper and i think he's got all he ticks all the boxes in my opinion yeah, yeah. He's, he's UFC caliber. Is he top five right now, in my that's, opinion? That's tough. No. It's tough to answer. But he'd certainly be in that top six through ten conversation. Um, I know he still has at least one more fight on his World Series of Fighting contract. And, you know, he's, he's kind of an important player for them because, you know, he's a champion. He's kind of a homegrown star, all that stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if at some point he gets the call from the UFC. And I will say, by the way, again, I know it's kind of a weird card for them, you know, with the Cody McKenzie thing and all that. I'm disappointed that their next few fight cards aren't on a Thursday. I thought that was perfect for World Series of Fighting. felt like a lot more people were talking about them and watching, at least in our little bubble. Uh, I know they have a couple Friday shows, but the Thursday really felt like it, it made a lot of sense. So, oh, well. You, uh, you made a great trans- transition here yourself. Yes. What did you think of Cody McKenzie's blatant headbutt? Um, it was blatant. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. Uh, the whole, that whole fight was kind of weird. The hair pulling, the headbutt. Yeah, not a good scene. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It didn't excite me. I like. I know some people were like, "Ooh, I'd watch that a thousand times." Cody McKenzie. Like, those are one of those things that. Put it this way: watching that, I had the complete opposite feelings as I did watching the Benson Henderson fight. Fair enough. That's not something. That fight is not a fight where I sit down the non MMA fan and say, "Watch this." I'm proud to be covering this. Yeah. You know. I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said, though, for self-policing. I like the idea that he got his hair pulled. and. Oh, I mean, I'm not just, I'm not just uh, pouring this on Cody, by the way. Yeah. The hair pulling, I mean, I kind of felt like it should have been, I don't know, just erase that. I, and, and I know some people were, uh, were high on his opponent, McGinnis, I believe. Um, but, yeah. By the way, speaking of that, uh, uh, Cody McKenzie ending his retirement very quickly, I read, I believe it was on SureDog very recently, just like a couple of minutes ago. Um, Babalu back as well. Oh, wow. Here it is. For oh, it was what's, on MMA what's the deal with that? Babalu Sobral ends retirement fights Volkan Oz, Ozdemir on April 11th in Geneva. I kind of hate to see guys in their retirement, especially when they should be retiring because, yeah, it was on... Um, it was on uh, on on Sherdog first, because that only leads me, especially on a card like it, just makes me feel like they needed the money, and uh, you don't want to see that. Okay, speaking of okay, no boy, was that a depressing segue? depressing oh, road we're going down? Yes, <laughs> weird. Should Frank Mir lose this weekend? Yes. Uh, do you think that would be the end of the road for him? Surely a commentary or analyst role is the next logical step. I'd say, you know, rather than kind of getting morbid with this question. I think what 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 is stopping you know Frank Mir from being an analyst? I think he'd be great. He's, he hasn't he's shown. Done it. Yeah, he hasn't really done it lately. Like no, he's not in that rotation. Exactly. You know, it's weird. What's stopping that? I, I don't think, know. I think he needs to get in there. You, I think you he think needs I to get should in that ask my uh, my colleagues over there at Fox. It's weird because you know he was doing a great job with the WC gig, yep. and then the whole Brock Lesnar thing happened, and apparently he lost it because of that. 
Um, you'd think that he would pop up on, you know, a broadcast here, a studio show there. Yeah. You know, he's lost four in a row. Look who he's lost to. Dos Santos, title fight. Cormier, Barnett, Overeem. Yeah, there's no cakewalks there. No cakewalks. Um, Bigfoot, not a cakewalk either. It has been a long layoff. I think a lot of people were wondering if he'd fight again after Overeem. I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to see Frank Mir shell of his former self. Let's, let's reserve the right to answer this question next Monday. Well, I think win or lose, let's see Frank do some commentary. Oh, Either yes. Way. The commentary thing, I thought he was great right? doing that. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Uh, he loved him some Takei Mizugaki. I remember that. But he was great. <laughs> he was great. And, yes, I, I would like to see him in some kind of capacity. I don't know if it's I, – I think some guys are better in the booth as, or the quote-unquote booth. There's not an actual booth. Um, as opposed to the studio, Frank strikes me as the kind of guy who would be better at the fight, you know, as an analyst. And by the way, while we're speaking about that, I thought John Anik and Brian Stan, who, yes, I will say I consider friends, colleagues, whatever, had a particularly great night on Saturday, a really great night. There was one fight. What was the fight? Um, oh, gosh. The, the fight with the uh, supposed illegal knee. Um, Darn it. What was the, what's the fight? Uh, that was before I started. You didn't watch it. Uh, I did watch it eventually, but I wasn't. Did no, one wasn't asked me, no one asked me about this, I guess. No. Well, let me just remember. My, my memories. Uh, a lot of it was a haze. I fell asleep four times during that card. Um, oh, yes. The uh, Chas Skelly, Jim Ehlers fight. So, Skelly beats him via TKO. And at the end of the flurry, at the end of the second round, he clearly lands an illegal knee. The referee said that he was about to stop the fight. He was in, in that motion before the knee landed. And how do we know that? We don't know that because the referee was interviewed. It was because during the John Anik post-fight interview, Stan went to talk to the commission. And then he reported back to us. Or at least the commission went up to him. Some conversation happened. And that's something we very rarely see in MMA broadcasts. He does such a great job. We've talked about him before, how he talks to the fighters before and the coaches, all that stuff. But I thought both of them had a great night. Even in that post-fight interview, Anik was talking about the knee. He brought it up first to Skelly. They weren't hiding it. And, you know, back in the day, some of the controversial stuff would kind of get swept under the rug. I thought they did a great job. They did a great job in the main event. Um, you know, I was kind of crapping on the card and some of the action, but they were the bright spot leading up to that main event. I really enjoyed their calls and their conversations and their, their chemistry. So much props to those two. Uh, our next question, now that DC is facing Bader, who do you think makes sense for Gustafson? Glover Teixeira. It's pretty easy. That's pretty easy. Yeah, pretty Done easy. Deal. Yeah, that's the fight. Uh, Dana said that Rory is already booked for a fight, but declined to say who it was. Do you think it's going to be Robbie Lawler? I do. I think the time is now. These are the easiest questions we've had all, all I year. Do. It has to be. It has to be. Uh, Rory deserves it. He deserved it beforehand. Unfortunate what happened with the Hector Lombard situation, but the silver lining for him is I think he gets it, and uh, I, think, I think before the summer is out, he gets that fight, or should get the fight. Hopefully you know, it doesn't, doesn't get canceled or whatever, but uh, that's the fight. It has to be the fight. Here's that Fox card. Oh, yes. Um, now I have a feeling you're not going to pick anybody. Well... Who wants to hear my picks anymore? You know, every time I make picks, I see the guys at the fight. Oh, you didn't pick me. You didn't pick me. Like, why do I need that trouble in my life? I gotcha. Um, but, I mean, look at some of these matchups, right? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you make your Machida picks? Machida Rockhold. Okay, let's go from the bottom. 
OSP Cummins. Who do you got? Mm, Cummins right now, maybe. That That's a tough one. I need to come back to that one. You're coming back to it on the first fight? Well, I mean, the, you know, I'm not going to place my bets now. I'm going to think about it a little more. No, I, gotta, I, I want your, boom, initial reaction. My we initial all, reaction yes. is, is Cummins. Okay. Um, uh, Jim Miller, Paul Felder, which is another one of those, like, old guard versus new guard type of fight. Initial, boom. Miller. Herrick Van Zandt. Van Zant, but I think Herrick's going to be better than people are expecting. Hmm. Um, Holloway Cub. Boom. Cub. Okay. I think it's a little too soon for Holloway, but damn do I love him. When he puts it together, those combinations are incredible. Obviously, Jacare Romero. Yeah, uh, you know, you don't even have to ask that one. Boom. Rockhold Machida. Rockhold right now. And this this surprises me because I think Machida is incredible. And I've, I have I was picking Machida over Weidman. I really, really think very highly of Machida, but Rockhold, the way he's just demolishing everybody on the way to this title shot... It'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to pick against Luke Rockhold right now. Yeah, it is a nice card. What a card. It is a good card. It's uh, free. I wonder what the... If I had to guess... I know I know Rockhold, Romero, Van Zandt are all on the main card. I'm guessing Cub Holloway is also is the fourth fight, right? That makes, that makes sense. Yeah, it'd have to be, right? Yeah. Prudential Center. I love that back-to-back show week because it's New Jersey, home game for me. Now imagine Montreal. this if it had Faber-Edgar on it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. It's too bad that's Mind not taking place in New Jersey. Uh, okay, this is the last one from the website. Yes. Uh, about Fedor. Fedor Emelianenko is going to be a part of Bellator 134's fan festivities, apparently. Uh, did you see this? They tweeted out yeah. you know, a little. Yeah. Uh, do you think Scott Coker and Viacom can entice Fedor out of retirement? Would it be worth the big money? I imagine Fedor would command uh, to bring him back to MMA. I can guarantee you they try to entice him to come out of retirement um that ha- I, I guarantee you the first question was would you like to come to our fan fest not you know it's obviously that it was would you like to fight no okay let's go to the fan fest deal um do i think it will happen no i think money talks he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who is money hungry and would come back solely for the money and I don't know if it's worth it for Bellator. I mean, history has shown that the company that breaks the bank for Fedor, whether it's fair to say this or not, good things haven't happened afterwards. Um, is it worth it? I mean, will he command a big rating on Spike? He'll probably get a Spike, uh, pardon the pun, that's for sure. But their heavyweight division, I mean, it's, it's not that great. I mean, there's no really marquee matchup. Of course, if they sign Brock Lesnar and you get Brock and Fedor, okay, things will change. But there's no fight that will be like, whoa, I can't believe we're going to see Fedor in this fight. You know what I mean? Which doesn't really make it worth it. Maybe if he drops down to 205, things change a little bit. King Mo comes up. Eh, it just, this doesn't really seem all that worth it to me. So, but okay. man, to see Fedor one more time. Yeah, it's, I'm not dying for it. I'm not. He was, it was clear that his better days were behind him. Um, but, and he, he left on a good note. I'm not dying for it. Shame. Those, those days are done. Uh, man, lo- we've come a long way from the guy fighting with Dana White in the in the studio. Well, I tell you that clip. Very uh, very timely these days. But I'm I'm, wait- I'm I'm saving that clip for for another day. You'll know why. <laughs> okay. Uh, our first question from Twitter: Benson Henderson's performance was inspirational, as was his octagon interview. What's next for Bendo? 155 or 170? Part of me wants to say. Laissez le bon temps rouler, 
which is let the good times roll, stick around at 170. Part of me wants to say go back to 155. You're not dealing with the same kind of size advantage. I'll roll the dice. I'll say being at 170 gives him a whole different feel, makes people feel differently about him. Let's keep those good vibrations rolling along. Let's stick around at 170 for a bit. It was slowly. Let's not get in there with the, the, the crazy big dogs. It's not necessary right now. Because, look, as long as Pettis is the champion anyway, he's not getting a title shot, so why not? If you can do it, do it. It was not too long ago that we were saying the same thing about somebody else in the lightweight division. A legend in the lightweight division. BJ? Yeah. The whole thing, every, every, you know, every fight at 170, it was send this guy back to 155. Um, so let's see how Benson But he was does. obviously way better at 155. Yeah, the, the same could be true for Benson. We have to see. But he yeah. has to try it. Sure, sure, That's sure. That's the thing. Sure. I want to see Benson give it a shot because I think he's that good. I think he's that yeah. talented. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, where does Benson Henderson debut in the welterweight rankings? Do you think he will be ranked? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This is from Flip the Script, Michael Carroll of Fightmetric fame. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I do not see any the MMA Hour hashtag. No. So what, what are we taking... Rogue questions now? Yep. Weird. From from friend of the show, friend Michael of the show. Where does he debut in the welterweight rankings? Well, let's see. Perhaps they're out. Um, but I don't think they're out. Well, look, Brandon Thatch wasn't ranked, and I think that's pretty fair. I mean, 15 who's, was the Flair, Nelson, Tiago Alves, Rick Story, Jake Ellenberger. I wouldn't rank him yet. No. No. I facetiously said number one, but... Yes, 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 of course you did. What? Twitter snarker. Nobody has a... No, no not snark. I'm, uh, I'm on the Benson Henderson bandwagon. I know, I know, but everyone's a comedian on Twitter, right? Well, some are better than others. Yes. Our next question. Do you think the UFC will announce a new drug testing program on Wednesday at their press conference? Honestly, not a lot of answers to these questions. All I know is that... This Wednesday, I was told tentatively at 1 p.m. Eastern time, but I don't know if that's in stone just yet. There will be a press conference to discuss all of this. Dana White, Lorenzo Fertitta, hopefully both will be there. Um, Las Vegas, that's pretty much all we know right now. I don't know what they're announcing. Hopefully it's something that will really get people excited about some change coming. That I mean, it's obviously very much well needed. Uh, the Hector Lombard news, disappointing. Still, there's that report out there from MMAJunkie.com that they, uh, they found out that Anderson Silva had failed the second drug test. And I know there were some idiots online saying that, oh, you know, you feel like you can only, like, you can only confirm this and put this out there and you can't go. But look, Journalism 101, dummies, is if someone puts something out there from anonymous sources, you have to go out and try to confirm it. If Dana White tells MMA Junkie that this is happening, this fight is happening, of course I don't need to confirm it. He told them. But if it's from an anonymous source, my job is to go out there and confirm it and not take everything as gospel. That is bad journalism. That's not me thinking that I have to confirm anything. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it's just like, are, 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 we, are, we, are we playing around here or are we actually this dumb? It doesn't make any sense to me. This is my job, to confirm things that are being reported, that are rumored, that are coming from anonymous sources. If it's a press release, if it's from an official, of course there's no need to confirm it. But if it's somewhat vague, there is a need. And I went to the commission. They said we don't have the results. To be quite frank, they were a little annoyed about the whole situation. But, hey, these things are going to happen. Um, they said we'll let you know when we do. No further update from Junkie or any other outlet. So let's see what happens. It would be unfortunate. Um, but, again, back to the question. 
I think that they need to come out with something to show that they care, to show that they view this as a major problem that could truly affect and harm the sport. Let's see what happens. But as far as answers, I don't know any uh, any more details about it. Did you just give us the Gus Johnson, these things happen in, in MMA? Did I? It sounded like it. No, no, I, I was saying about journalism. Yeah, no, but you said, you know, these things happen regarding, like, botched tests or, you know, vague, vague um, responses and things like that. I don't remember saying that, but I was in the zone there for a second. <laughs> no, you certainly were. But it, uh, it's, it's not... It's not like the Gus Johnson thing. You get that, right? No, no. I was yeah, ki- yeah. But you said that, fra- that phrase verbatim. Oh, That's okay. why. Uh, our next question. Our final question. Yes. I guess, the, I guess the question is cooler. I don't know. Better. You know, what, take this how you will. Yes. Which is better, the, the you know, posing, the Hadouken thing? Yes. Or the toothpick? Well, is, and is it pronounced? Hadouken. Hadouken. Um, I mean, that was fun. That's pretty cool. Goofy, yeah. That that didn't make me feel like, oh, this needs to be banned. The toothpick thing was like, holy moly, I can't believe he's doing this with a damn toothpick again. Doing all of that, getting punched in the face with a freaking toothpick in his mouth. But then I felt like, okay, it, something needs to be done here. So kind of two different things. Both holy moly moments, both fun moments in the moment. But one, I don't feel like anything needs to happen to that. The other one, I feel like for his health and safety should be banned you get what i'm saying i don't know, I don't know if i can actually say which but they're is better both, they're both pretty cool yeah they're both cool i guess that duke and then you the just combo, said you wanted he, to throw up in your mouth when you no, saw the I, didn't, I didn't quite go that far but it does make me very uncomfortable i i get phys i get physical feelings that's pretty just, close just on sight of seeing the toothpick because i imagine myself with it and i imagine swallowing it and it makes it very yes it's like all prickly in my throat right um but the combo he he landed after he did the hadouken move that was, that that was, was great. flawless. Yeah. That was incredible. Um, so that was pretty cool. And uh, that's it. That's it for the questions. We're okay. done. We have run out of time. I wanted to mention one more thing before we go. Uh, no mas, Melvin Manhoff. I'm not the kind of guy who says you need to retire, but if you're asking me as a fan, I don't want to see him fight anymore. Too many knockouts. That happened on Friday, Bellator. It's just that's making me just as uncomfortable. Uh, there are... No full odds for the card on Sunday night, but uh, oh. Mir, Bigfoot, what do you Wait, got? Wait, before that, somebody said Dominic Cruz as a great five-round fighter as well. Tremendous. Great call. Beat DJ. Mir, Silva? Um, Silva. Yes. Uh, minus 231 plus 226. Sounds about right. Yeah. Makes sense. Mir, Mir is on a tough stretch right now, but you listed the guys. None of those. None of those are even like relatively easy fights those are all super super tough fights so this will be this will be a better gauge of where he's at um because those other guys are all title contenders a uh, main card is strickland Ponzinibbio, alcantara science martins wait that's it we only have the main event yeah, that's, it. that's it oh wow uh martins Khabilov, alvi fajara and then barbosa michael johnson which is a fun <sighs> one that is that is probably the most interesting fight on the card. That is the people's main event, my friends. I wanted to have Michael Johnson on the show just to talk about his layoff and all that, but they said he wasn't interested in speaking about the past, which I respect, but it would have been nice to just get some clarification why he has been out for so long. I remember they said he was indefinitely suspended, and they came out and said that you know the suspension was over and uh, it was all good after an investigation, but he hadn't talked about it. I wanted to get a little bit of clarification but hey you got to respect where they're coming from it is in the past they want to move on focus on the fight perhaps at some point in the future that is the card on sunday that is it for our show thank you so much for watching alex you can hit my music so there it is 
another episode of the MMA Hour in the books. Hey, we're back on Thursday for another episode of The Beat. New York Rick did a great job in what could be his last ever show. Why? We'll save that for another day. But how about this? Last ever show on The Beat, by the way, not on the show. Um, We'll have another debutante on Thursday. Details to come. But we're back. So we'll obviously be talking about the Wednesday press conference deal and whatever craziness happens in MMA between now and then. But for now, it's all good feelings. Feel a lot better about where we are. That's all That's all it takes. One great performance. As Rudy Tomjanovich, the former head coach of the Houston Rockets, once said, never underestimate the heart of a champion. Benson Henderson showed that on Saturday night. Congratulations to him, and thank you so much to him for joining us. It's so great getting those interviews after the big fights on Saturday night. Really appreciate his time. Thank you to Benson. Best of luck to him. Thank you to Alejandro Ayaquinta. Ally Quinta, growing up before our eyes. Great stuff from him. Thank you very much to Matt Mitrione. Good luck getting that Andre Arlovsky fight. Thank you very much to Josh Barnett. Welcome back, Josh. We missed you. I think the heavyweight division needs a little war master. Thank you very much to both Frankie Edgar and Uriah Faber. Tremendous stuff from them. Really enjoyed that. Thank you to Chris Cyborg. Good luck to her, February 27th. And thank you very much to Ruthless Robbie Lawler. Congratulations on the Adidas deal. That's it for us. Back next week, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. Somebody else. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.